At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Go for beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean. Yes! 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 I did a little Marv there. Welcome in, everybody. It is July 19th. It is a Wednesday. That is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Hi, Derek. Um, I brought this up in our show meeting, and you just verified it right now. And I just to let the chat in on this, yes, I hi, chat. out of the clear blue, although I did take exception to the fact that initially, before I made my statement, that Rob and and our producer tone thought I was up to something devious. Which you usually are. Anytime that I, I say, hey, I, uh, I just thought about something, they both start smirking. And and Rob had the, Rob had the audacity to say, uh-oh, what's D-Gun up to now? Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's simple. And then what I said was, when it comes to the five-day work week, I said Wednesday was Rob's second favorite day after Friday. Yes. And you agree with me for whatever reasons. I do. So here's my reason. So we talked about this. I don't hate Monday as much as most people. Monday's Monday's fine. You kind of kickstart things. Uh, Tuesday's a tough day. Tuesday's like, uh, it's Tuesday. Wednesday is when you start turning the corner. Like that's the corner day, Wednesday. It's like, ah, okay. The weekend's in sight. You can kind of see it. You have to sort of like glare. Uh, All right, I see it. That's Wednesday. So it gives you a little bit of optimism. Then Thursday's kind of like, all right, let me get to Friday. So Friday's my favorite. Wednesday is number two. Thursday is number three or wherever we are. Four is is, is I would go Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Monday. See, I would go Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday. 
Wow. Okay. Okay. See, mon- Monday, because you're coming off a weekend, you're rejuvenated. Yeah. You know, you got that energy, that mm-hmm. pep in your step, and you're ready to tackle a new work week. And then you're right. By Tuesday, it's like monotone. Uh, got a way to go here. Yeah. Uh, let's just get through this. Yeah. Wednesday is like you got two days behind you. You can see light at the end of the tunnel. You're at the top of the hill. Yep. You know, it took you Monday or Tuesday to get to the top of that hill. Now you're overlooking the valley. You can see your de- final destination in the distance, off in the distance there. Thursday gets you a little bit closer, and then Friday arrives. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I, I put it in that regard. Tone, like Tone said, Tone, Tone said Tuesdays are the hardest. Yeah, Tuesdays are tough. Yeah, Tuesdays are tough. That's for sure. What's up, everyone? What's up, Sween Ball, Thomas Burke? What's up, James Daz? Tyler, Mood Swing, Bella. What is up, Eagles fan, Daz? Christy, our girl. What's up, Steve? How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing well. Uh, so, Christy, uh, let's see. She watched, So she's watching um, the whole QB docuseries on Netflix. Was great except the last episode. That's it. Reliving the Super Bowl. Yeah, you that's yep. what you said. Yeah. So I, I'm. Uh, I haven't had a chance, but I will. What's up, Father Sean? I will. Uh, I will get on it this weekend. So by next week, I'll be updated and educated and all that good stuff. On I've, I've heard nothing but good stuff. The thing is, you remember the old ABC Wide World of Sports um, back in the '70s and '80s? The sure. thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Yes. I think Omaha Productions hit a, a grand slam with the three individuals that they chose mm-hmm. because you had Patrick Mahomes who ends up winning it all. You have Marcus Mariota who's, whose season is pulled out from under him. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kirk Cousins who's right in the middle. He has that chance. And then all of a sudden, boom, it comes yeah. to a crashing halt. Yeah. They took the pick. That's why I said yesterday, I can't imagine what three quarterbacks they might try to pick next year because it's right. going to be hard to equal this. It's a great question. Yeah, like who is it, right? Who is that guy? Who are those guys this year? I w- you want to get you want to go kind of diverse on it. You know, you want to have different. You're right, like different. Obviously, Mahomes the elite of the elite, but you you want to have that sort of you know that that range, if you will. Yes. Maybe, maybe you go with one of the rookies, right? If they'll give you access to one of the three big rookies who we're taking this year. I would go Bryce Young. Yeah. <clears throat> Any of those guys, right? So you go Bryce. with that. Then you go, you got to go somebody up or t- I mean, uh, maybe Jalen Hurts, if, uh, but I don't know that Jalen would would agree to that, but maybe, maybe a Jalen Hurts type. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers would be fascinating for sure. There's no question about that. Um, and then you have to pick somebody on a bubble like um, a Ryan Tannehill. He's got two young kids sitting behind him. Yeah. A second and third round pick sitting behind him. Yep. Um, Kyler Murray. Well, I, I'll give you one. Well, yeah, we'll talk about him later, but he's one. Yeah. Let me give you another one who I think would be kind of interesting because I think they're an interesting team. If you went with Jared Goff, yes, you also get the whole Dan Campbell experience yes. and a team that could really be good for the first time in a long time. Yes. Maybe interesting, the, the Lions and Goff. What about ooh, what about Joe Burrow? Yeah, you can't he's go wrong guy, there. He's a guy who could get to the Super Bowl next year. Yeah. They're not afraid. Cincinnati's not afraid of Kansas City. No. You know. No. Um, I think Burrow would be a good one with that color. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and all those guys. I'll give you the Wilson. other one, uh, Derek. Tua. Tua is a great one to think about. Yeah. Man, um, what about Justin Fields? 
Justin Fields would be very interesting. And, and yeah, and he's not afraid to talk a little bit too. No. Um, yeah. I mean, look, the beauty is you're in a time right now with quarterbacks where you can, you can get it right with a lot of these guys. Like I, you, to me, you're not going wrong with any of those guys that we just mentioned, you know, uh, any Eagles, of those three. Yeah. Eagles fan brings up two good ones. Lamar and Josh Allen. Lamar yeah. Jackson, that was two, that was two would be a good one. Lamar with the big contract, Josh Allen with this big money, Buffalo, mm-hmm. you know, Buffalo and, and, and Sean McDermott on the hot seat this year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, they're good. good. They're good. I, I, it's what, isn't it weird? Like, I, I wonder if we'll know because did you know about this last year? No, no. I didn't either. I didn't know. No. So what's up, Fitness Rebel? What's up, Daz? What's up, Brandon? What's up, uh, Steve? Yeah. I, what's up, to, uh, Captain Tony? Um, yeah, they kept it pretty low. I don't know that they may not do the same thing, uh, where they keep it low. Russell Wilson, you can't go wrong either, just to see that whole thing, that whole dynamic. Yeah. With him and Peyton, that would be awesome. Um, so any of those, really, for me. Mm, I'm trying to think of who else might. What if Anthony Richardson gets the starting job? Yeah. Or just the whole, you know, the whole time, like trying to get there. If, if Minshew gets the start, you're following yeah. him in practice, yeah. and you know what's happening with that, and he finally he gets, you know, his opportunity in week seven or something yeah. like that would be really interesting too. Wow, some great choices, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Be fun. What's up, Mo? What's up, everybody? Uh, yeah, so uh, John Dickerson in, in the uh, in the chat as well. Um, all right, so a couple other things, Derek. Phillies win their fourth straight. Uh, they win again last night against the Brewers. And take game one, Aaron Nola really good. Uh, that, that rest did him some good, for sure. He pitched well. Yes, he um, did. Yeah, so they they uh, they keep it rolling. And Schwarber, fourth straight game with, with a home run. Uh, let off the game with a home run, in fact. Uh, two hits for Bryson Stott. What else is new? Uh, so they win and 16 for 16 and save opportunities is, uh, is Craig Kimbrell now. So he's, uh, he's been a godsend for them. That's for sure. So we will, we will talk a little bit more Phillies, uh, later, but they're look very good baseball, Derek. I mean, you talk about a team that's 27 and 10 since June 3rd for, for, you know, six weeks now, that's, that's a good sample size that they're on the right track. I would say doesn't make, it doesn't always have to be pretty just efficient when it counts the most. And that's exactly what they've been timely okay. pitching, timely hitting, and they've shaved three games off their deficit in, in their, their pursuit of, of, of the Atlanta Braves. You know, Braves are on a three game losing streak. Marlins are on a mini losing streak. Now the Phillies are in second place. They've leapfrog past uh, Miami by a half game or full game. I believe it is. Um, yeah. They're playing great baseball right now. Uh, when you consider where they were, I mean, yeah, yeah. Can it? That's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, and they've taken that half game lead in the uh, in the wild card, uh, that third yes. wild card spot. So yes. uh, that's where things are. Uh, Thomas asks me, "Do I think that Hall needs to be sent down?" Yeah, Thomas. I think unfortunately, my sense is with Derek Hall is he's a four A player, meaning he's that sort of in between major league and triple A guy. He can go to triple A and, and play very well and dominate at times. But you see why he's been in AAA most of his his you know for for a long time at 27, 28 years old. I just he can't hit lefties, and he yeah. had a nice single last night in his last at bat. But he also isn't a great fielder. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not real confident in him, if I'm being honest. He's the kind of player you bring up when somebody gets injured. You yeah. know, you know he you know he can help you more than he can hurt you. You know, yes. Um, you hold your breath when he's fielding balls at first base. But he can stroke it a little bit, you know. He, he we we saw that last year, and, and we we've seen it this year. Yeah. But I don't think he's an everyday major leaguer. 
to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I, I don't know that he's long for this. Now, the interesting twist here is uh, Rob Thompson kind of walked it back yesterday that, that Harper is going to play first base in this series against the Brewers. Uh, so I don't know where that stands exactly and, and why there's maybe a delay right now. It could be just that, that Harper's not comfortable yet with where he's at fielding-wise. If that's the case, I get it. Um, but we, we won't know. The problem is, Gunner, you're running up against this trade deadline, yep. which is coming up in, you know, she's uh 12 13 days so i mean it, it that's the problem you wanted to get a look at him to see if he can handle himself out there before you you go into trade mode so we'll see you know we'll see what ends up happening there so we'll definitely get into the phillies in a little bit we are six days away from eagles training camp gunner six days wow. baby. rob is so excited so excited Yes. Rob yes. is so excited just to see the players walk out of the locker room shake hands with the media wave to the fans Go through a shell practice and be off the field before you blink an eye. Kiss babies and be off the field in 55 yes. minutes. Yes, that's what I'm excited for. Rob yes. is so excited. Like I, I said. I I'll, think it just pacifies me to know that they're out there on the practice field. I think it makes me feel better about going about my day, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't get it. I don't get it either. I'm out oh, of my geez. mind. I'm, I'm out of my sorry. mind. All I'm right. sorry. I'm I'm sorry, Rob. I'm just not there with you. I know. I Listen, most sane people aren't. All right. Uh, so beyond that. Uh, a weird night in Major League Baseball. So last night, Derek, 12 teams had double-digit runs That's for the insane. first time since 1894. 1894. That's insane. Was was last night national softball night? It if you like looked at the scores, that's what it looked like. It, yes. it was like there were – there. in fact, there were three games that ended with the final score of 11 to 10. That's, that's never happened. That's crazy. That's unheard of. Yeah, how pitching about, how, pitching how not, high, not good. Yeah. How about the high-powered Braves scoring 13 runs? They still lost by three runs. Well, the craziest play was that Corbin Carroll play. So it's a strikeout uh, pass ball or error, right? It, it gets past the catcher. He gets all the way to third on it because there's an overthrow. Yep. So he gets all the way to third. It was one of those games. I mean, it makes you appreciate Nola pitched well. Not not many teams got and pitching you, last night. Yeah, so. You're right. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, we, uh, it was crazy. We, we wondered what would Nola look like. He came out. He was dealing last night, yeah. which he should have been against the weakest hitting team in the National League. He yeah. should have been. That's true. That's and, true. and Milwaukee lived up to the expectation. They what they swing at everything, man. They, one of the freest swinging teams I've seen in the majors. I thought Miami was a free swinging team, but at least Miami has had the highest bat team batting average. They connect. They're selective with their pitches. They swing a lot. But Milwaukee explains why they're, they're number two in the National League of strikeouts. Man, they're swinging to anything that comes within a five-foot radius of the plate. <laughs> uh, you're right. Uh, yeah, that's you can see why they've been up and down. They have really good pitching, but – Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a big old butt there. They, the hitting is – um, all right, beyond that, so um, Daryl Morey was on 97.5 on Anthony Gargano's show on 97.5, and a couple interesting things to say, and, and we'll get really heavy into this in, in a bit, but he, he admitted that Harden wants to be elsewhere, you know, the worst-kept secret out there, but he had, at least copped to it, he admitted it, um, said that we're not just giving him away. If we can't get him to change his mind about staying – we need to get somebody who can be, you know, uh, the the wingman, so to speak, for Joel Embiid. And if we can't get somebody who's a wingman, we better get picks that will allow us to trade for somebody who's going to be a wingman. Uh, you know, it's like, 
you're gonna, he, the you're plan gonna, it feels like right now is him hoping that, that Harden's going to change his mind. I don't see that happening. I don't see that either. You're going to force this guy. You're going to force Nick Nurse to have this guy on his roster. Is basically what you're doing. Right. So what you're going to do, you're going to force yeah, – and you're, you're talking about unless we get something max in return. If I'm a potential trade partner, you know what I do? Like a lot of teams will do. They'll sit back until you get desperate enough and, and lessen your demands. Right. See, the word is out. The word is out. Harden doesn't want to be here, and what the Sixers are looking for is premium return on their their giveaway. Right. If I'm another team, you know what? If we wait long enough, we we don't have to give this. We don't have to give that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a bad situation for Nick Nurse to be in, man. Um, and of course, if that's the case, if the body language is evident, it's not going to sit well with Joel Embiid, and Joel eventually will speak his mind. Yep. A win or how, but he's going to speak his mind. Um, and that's bad mojo for a first-year coach trying to change the culture and make this team better than what it was. Yeah, and the guy just wants to get about his business and do what he's going to be doing. And you're sitting here right now, and you don't know about Harden. Like, I think it's it's likely that Harris is going to be back, so I guess you can plan around that. But, yeah, it's hard. You're you're asking a lot of that guy. And, he's, he, you know, you're talking about a team that's gotten close a bunch of years that, that, that yep. you know, people aren't all that confident or feeling good about anyway. So, yeah, not great. Not great from a Sixers perspective, uh, for sure. But we'll we'll get into the to the whole um, you know, Embiid question about what your faith level is in him uh as well in a little bit. All right, beyond that, I, I wanted to hit you with this. Um yes. the a lot of teams are releasing their third uniform in the NFL, and and I you know, I saw Seattle's going back to sort of their old school uniforms and that uniform is fire, by the way. Which yeah, it's great. It, it really is. And the uh, the it was like the the Jim Zorn, Steve Largent days, like those uniforms for people who go you know far enough back to remember those days. But um, and, and you know Tampa went with the creamsicles, which I know you don't like. Uh, you know a couple other teams released their 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 some jerseys. The Cleveland, I like, I really like the uniform that Cleveland released the other day. I thought it was sweet. I don't but, like anything Cleveland releases. Yeah, I, the brown and orange is a tough one for me. Like it's just nah. But uh, anyway, if I if I threw it at you. And I want everybody in the chat to react to this. What's your favorite NFL uniform? Ooh. Ooh. I'm torn between two. I would say, for me, Seattle and Houston. I love those combinations. Okay. I love those combinations. I love Houston's that navy blue with that red and white trim. I love the helmet logo. I love nice. Seattle's. Yeah. I love Seattle's with that with that blue, with that green, that soft green. And I love the Seahawk logo on the helmet as well. Uh, those two at the forefront. There's a number of them, but those two at the forefront uh, for me. Both good. Uh, both good. I love the the powder blue, the light blue Charger Ooh. Uh, uniform. Ooh. Like that one with the with the top, the, the, the light blue top jer- you know, jersey. Yep. Uh, you go white helmet with the gold bolts trimmed in blue. And the white pants or the gold pants, either one are fine for me. Yeah, yeah. I think are awesome. I Freaking agree. love them. I agree. Yeah. What, what about the Bengals black and white? The white. Oh my God. Ooh. The white that they released last year is yeah. sweet. Is sweet. Yeah. I think they wore it on Thursday night. I'm pretty sure. Um, let's see what the, what the, what the folks are, are like. Getting a lot of love for the bit midnight black, which I agree. I like it. And I yeah. really like the black helmet. 
when they incorporated the black yes. helmet yes with the black jersey was pretty sweet and uh, i've said that that's my favorite eagles uniform that black with that green uh midnight green trim yeah and white i love those those are my favorite eagles uniforms yep, like, yep. i love that black they're my favorite too uh thomas likes the old bro yeah i like the old bronco i i like those the the, the uh they wore them in the beginning of like the early Elway years, but you know, prior to that, it was like the uh, Tom Jackson days. But they, they were pretty nice uh, for sure. Uh, Bootswing Bella, yeah, Eagles black with the black helmet, exactly. Um, let's see what Jason says. Jay, Eagles black, white on the Bengals. Yep, yep. Uh, what about the Dolphins? I love the Dolphins. I, I'm with you. Like my teams, Derek, were yep. I went Chargers, Bengals, white, Dolphins. Uh, and I actually like the Bills old school, you know, the, okay. the, the white helmet Bills. I like those too. Uh, See, I, I put I put eight teams on a list, no, in no specific order. Yeah. I put Chargers, Saints. I love the Saints. That pewter, that yep. pewter and black. I love that. Chargers, Saints, Eagles, black, green, Houston, Bengals, 49ers, Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Like, I, and if you, I, I can, you can kind of break this down into two different categories, like just yep. what catches your eye, what appeals to you. Yep. And then the traditional old school, like I'm not a Raiders fan, but I respect the silver and black look Agreed. that, they, that Agreed. they maintain. Right. Uh, at Packers, Packers have kept it pretty close to, to what it yep. always has Tradition. been. Yep. And I respect that too. The way that looks, the chiefs have really kept it sort of yes. very similar over the years. Yep which I like. And I think there's something to be said for that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind you tweak it here and there, but I, I like that those teams have really stayed with their, their schemes Tradition. throughout the years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those are I, good ones. I can agree with you more. Um, you know, and, and I, let's, I like the Patriots Navy blue, yes. the Navy blue, red and white. I don't, I don't like their white uniforms, but I love the Navy blue. Yeah. Uh, yep. the uh, scheme that they have up uh, this, that, man, there's a lot of them. I mean, I, I like the Jets went back to the old name it's white helmets too. I like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see who else is out there that I uh most of my most of my decisions were based on the the dark colored jersey pants combination more so than the white. The yeah. Bengals were the only the Bengals were the only one I put on there because of that white uniform. Same. I don't um, normally love their uniforms. I, I don't really love the tiger stripes and all that. I just I, but with the yeah. white, it looks good. Yeah. You know, I didn't know this, but the Saints, the Saints last year had eight different combina uniform combinations. I didn't know that either. I had no idea. Um, but I love, I love that pewter they have with the dark. Um, I love the helmet logo. I love all. I mean, I, I, there's just some things you like. It's a personal preference. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Vikings. You know, the other one I should have said with with the traditional the Pittsburgh. You know, I like I oh, like the the, the Steeler black. logo on one yeah. side. The other side's just black. I like that. Um, and they've always kind of kept it. Oh, mm. the worst though is when they go to that third uniform. It's that beehive stripe. Yes. Oh, yes. that's the worst. If you want to go worst, that's the worst. Do away with it now. I, I can't stand that one. And I covered that team for ten seasons. Yeah. Um, but you're right. You know, and and there there are a lot of the when they do the throwback stuff. Um, then I'm like, why? Yeah. Uh, you don't you like know. the year the Eagles went to that that blue and gold like it's not them it's just you don't like if you just tuned in you would you would have no idea that there's any allegiance i know it's the the swedish colors and there's ties to fill it i i know the reasoning behind it but yeah i just don't i didn't they only did that once i didn't like it oh what about uh what about jacksonville i like jacksonville i've always liked their their scheme i like the colors that they have yeah that they use that's not a bad one i'm trying to think if there's any 
any of the new you know what the ravens are not bad i know they're yeah. just they're not flashy but they're black pretty, with purple trim yeah pretty solid yeah, yeah pretty solid and the logo the, the raven looks cool um i'll, I'll even throw in carolinas i like carolinas yeah. uniform I especially, especially when carolina goes to the all black with the powder blue and white trim yes uh, yeah yeah, they're good. It's good looking. That's a good looking uniform. Always has been. That cut. They 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 chose well. They were they. I think they came in the same year as Jacksonville. I think both yeah, of those. Yeah, I believe so. Good. Yes. Uh, and they both did pretty good. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else other than that. Uh, eh. you know, the Colts are very kind of boring. Like I know they've kept it, you know, the same over the years. Right, they're, right. Mr. Taz says, "D Gun, we still won't forgive you for hating on the Kelly Green." I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the Kelly Green. Sorry. <laughs> I just can't get there, and I and I've been here, you know, since '97, and I've tried, and I know it's 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 a personal yeah. favorite for a lot of Eagles historians, uh, especially when you go back to the days when they were the prominent uniform. But I look at it and I'm like, eh, that's a, okay. I'm yeah. sorry, I can't get with that one. I don't see. I look at it. Um, I like them, but I'm not. Like most Eagles fans are pretty obsessed with it. I, I, yeah. I'm uh, whatever. I, like, I, I like their present day uniforms. I Thank do. You. Yes. Like, I associate that with a lot of success in winning, including winning a Super Bowl. So, yes. I, you know, I don't need, and, and again, they mixed in the black last year, which was sweet. I don't, I don't, have we heard that? Are they using that black helmet again? Do we, um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not 100%. But even the all black uniforms with the green helmet, I it still work. like the combination. Yeah, it still works. They they you generally get that in prime time. It's it feels like that's a Thursday night or a Sunday or Monday night thing when you get those uniforms, the black, the yep. the, the all the black pants and the black uh jerseys. See, um, see, I'm starting to see more people. Hey, Mr. Taz, look, more people are getting on the D gun train. I'm not midnight green is so much better. Um, the Kelly you know, green predates me. Fitness Rebel's right about that. I agree with her with this. The bird logo was better um for the old school i'm just gonna find it anyway. really you think so i do i like the bird itself uh, i like I, the i like the present logo yeah i like that one better i just, I, I, yeah, I, I got you i got you uh i'm trying to think of like i have any i have a little let me see if I can maneuver this over all right so we see that one that one's pretty cool right right there i know that people like that one that was that, that one, was okay. that, that was more let me go down on that one a little and you see that that's pretty sweet. I, I like the lettering too with that. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay. Uh, I, I got a bunch of that stuff all over the house. So um, but yeah, I mean I got hold on, let me readjust here. Let me direct for a minute. I'm directing Derek. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, but that again, I, I don't I, I let me just say I don't get like that worked up over it either way. Like I, I wouldn't be upset. Right. You right. Know, it's like, all right, you know, whatever. Just go out there and play <laughs> and play well. That's really all I care about. Um Oh, I have this. You guys might like this one. So let me see this little bumper sticker that I had. Uh, that's from the that's from Super Bowl Fifteen in New Orleans. Um, see, I'm, uh... Yeah, I hear you. But that was uh, that was they the loss mm. to the Raiders. They lost to Jim Plunkett and the Raiders in that one back in the day. I was at that game as a little tyke, Derek. It was a, it was a little one. I was a wee lad, as they say, uh, just crying in my seats as they lost. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's uh, there's a lot of different ways that you could go with the uniform. So here's what we got today. Mike Sealski is going to join us uh, coming up at one o'clock. So we'll kind of run the gamut with Mike. Always fun to jump around a little bit uh, and talk to him about everything, including the Phillies and the Eagles and the Sixers. Uh, and then our NFL segment, we got a bunch. 
there's an unhappy cowboy, Derek, and this is a this could be a big one if he doesn't show up. This guy's arguably, yeah. you know, top three player for them. Might be the best player at his position. He's not happy. Our greatest uh, segment continues uh, series with the Rams. We'll do the Rams today. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff that we're going to get into, including Tua, including Kyler Murray, including some guys getting paid. There may be a, a player getting released or traded that maybe the Eagles might have a little bit of interest in. So we'll get into all those kind of things. But when we come back, Eagles, Derek, and we're going to look at how this roster was built. Who was a free agent? Who was a trade? Who were homegrown draft picks? We'll do all of that when we come back. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. It is a Wednesday here on Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, they are a part of the team, and we are thrilled to have them. I've been going there since I was a little kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. Alex took it over from his pop, and he is crushing it. He and the crew were in there seven days a week, just, just making the best fresh food that you could possibly have. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the you name it, they will make it. Specialized pizza your way. But if you're not up for pizza, they offer great variety. They have fresh pasta. They have sandwiches. They have wraps. They have wings. They have salads. And they're fully committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You could follow them at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. 
Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Got fake them up. Mama, go up, mama. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Wednesday. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take. Let's smash the like button if we could, friends. We do appreciate it. Hanging out with you. Uh, first off, let's let's start with some birds here, Derek. So, started digging around and and, and just thinking about you know the Eagles' drafts of late. It, you know, naturally it was an area where uh, because there were some whiffs. Uh, you know, Danny Watkins and, and you know John Harris's of the world that you know we all remember over the years in an area where, you know, they have fallen under some criticism. But if you start to look at this team, I think it's a really interesting mix of draft and, and trades and signees. Okay. So let, let's go to the offensive side. You know, the, one of the great coups ever is because actually a couple of these on that side of the ball. Now you look at it, getting Jalen hurts in the second round, even though a lot of people scratch their heads when they did it could go down as one of the all timers, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, well, let's start there. People didn't just scratch their hand, heads. People were irate yeah. that the Eagles used a second-round pick when there were so many other positions they could have addressed and got a quality player. And people are thinking, what are you doing? You just paid a franchise quarterback all that money, and now you're going out and using a second-round pick on another quarterback? Mm-hmm. Could the Eagles have seen potential problems down the road with this guy even after they gave him money and Carson Wentz that we never saw, obviously? Um, because as as we as we've come to learn, Carson Wentz since he's left here, his career has spiraled out of control, and Jalen Hurts is being talked about as one of the elite quarterbacks in the National Football League. So kudos for the, to the Eagles for identifying this way before anybody caught on to what their 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 long term plan was. Yep, you know, and kudos uh, for developing him. Like he deserves oh, a, a lion's share of that props because the dude is a working machine. But they did a great job of cultivating him and getting him to where he is too. So props all around. You know, whether he used, whether, whether he used the motivation of people always counting me out when you consider what happened to him at, at um, Alabama, lost his starting job, moved on to Oklahoma, had a great finish to his college career there. Um, It wasn't projected. No, there was, there were no, no so-called experts that projected him to go in the second round the year he came out. I think the earliest projection I saw was a third round pick at the mm-hmm. earliest. Some said fourth or fifth. Agree. Needs, needs development. It would take time with him. And the Eagles jumped on that bandwagon real quick. Somebody in the organization, whether it was a scout or Howie Roseman, saw something that we all missed. And man, did they hit a home run with this kid. 
They sure did. Uh, let me interrupt for a second, Derek, uh, before we get back to uh, the Eagles uh, things here. So Matt Gelb of The Athletic uh, just tweeted out two minutes ago, the Phillies have recommended Andrew Painter to have Tommy John surgery. Mm. Mm. So here, here's the That's here's it. the bummer about that, right? I mean, anything they got out of him after that, that when they shut him down initially, I, I, didn't ex- I expected nothing. So let me just right. say that. But the problem is we're almost in August. Yep. You're probably looking at next year as well. If I'm the yeah, if yeah. I'm the Phillies, I don't think yeah. he's pitching next year, dude. They're 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 all star pitchers that missed a year and a half before they came back yeah. from a Tommy John surgery. Yeah, like to me, we're looking at 2025, which yeah. isn't you know, when you think about it. He'd be 22 at the time. It's not yeah. crazy. He's only 20 yeah. years old. But the good thing is, younger you are, the quicker you heal. Exactly right. You know, yep, so, and a lot of guys go through it now, and they're yes. just fine on the other end. It's not the way it was back in the day where it was, you know, oh, my God, your career could be over. It's 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 different. Tommy John surgery has come such a long ways and has been tweaked by so many medical experts to get athletes back quicker. But, you know, whereas, as you just said, you were talking about the prospects of them not having a career. Now you're talking about a year, year and a half. Um, it might be a year before he can throw hard again. Right, you know, Definitely. which means you probably you lose most mostly all. He might he might be able to rehab by this time next year, starting like double A ball, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, get him get so, him a little touch yeah. in the, in the minor leagues, and yeah. and yeah, and that's good. I agree with you. Yeah. Um. So here's the here's the release from the Phillies, Derek. Uh, right-hander Andrew Painter has been undergoing conservative management for a right elbow partial ulnar ulnar collateral ligament easy for me to say Mm. ucl why did i just say that Mm. injury since march 2nd while he was able to return to throwing bullpens and follow-up imaging uh has shown that the interval interval t-e-r-v-a-l healing in his elbow over the last few weeks he continues to be symptomatic upon examination Mm. considering the timing of the season and that painter is still experiencing symptoms the Phillies medical staff has recommended he undergo right elbow UCL reconstruction with ulnar nerve transportation. That's a fancy term for Tommy John. Mm. Uh, Going to consult with Neil L. Uh, Trache, who who did the surgery for Bryce Harper and is the expert at this. He'll go out to L.A. July twenty fourth, which is Monday, to get a consult from from the doctor. You, you know, you kind of felt it going there. You just you just sort of you were hoping against hope. I mean, think about how often is it that these guys just rest and they're fine. It usually never no, works that no, way. It's a shame. No. It's a shame. And the, and the reason the reason um, you know Harper was able to come back is he doesn't need his arm to throw. Exactly. He just needed his bat. Whereas Painter, you, you're talking about velocity, multitudes of no. stress on the arm. Yeah. You know, the whole nine. Yeah. And who's to say? And who's to say he may have tried to do too much in his rehab, which which set him back as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. I hate to hear that from, from a young man, but you know, like the bottom line, he's 20 years old. At the very worst, he's back when he's 22 with this yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah it's too good. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, there was we we went from him possibly being the number five starter in this rotation as a 20-year-old to now having to wait maybe two more years to see what he's capable of doing at this level. And the Phillies, Phillies have enough money. They can go out and buy another pitcher if they need one. You know? Sure. You, yeah, you absolutely. Look at it like that, but that that's such is the case. Yeah, and, and look, the, the encourage. If I would look at it this way, I, and obviously it's it's hard when you're if you're Andrew Payne or you're just like you're probably devastated. But you know, you're 20, you're not 32. 
you, you yeah. know, you, you know, you'll rehab right, you get back, you'll be better than ever. So it's uh it's tough. Tough, tough break for him, tough break for the Phillies, but mm. it's that's life. That's that's life in the big leagues. All right. Uh so we'll get into that a little bit later when we when we revisit the Phillies. Anyway, so we started off with Hertz, who was a draft pick. I, let me just go to the offensive line for a second, Derek. Yep. He, I mean, he's talking about homegrown here. Okay. So you, you work your way with one of the all-time steals at left tackle with Jordan Maialata. Yeah. Seventh rounder. Hadn't yep. played football. Got him in the seventh round. Then you go, the you know, his 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 guard mate next to him is uh is Landon Dickerson, who was a second round pick. Yeah, guy who we thought maybe was going to be a center, but projected out in the NFL game as a guard, and he's been he's been really good. Uh, the big concern there was staying healthy and knock on wood, pretty healthy so far. Then you go center. I mean, sixth round. Again, one of the all-time picks right here. Uh, yep. Jason Kelsey in the sixth round. Incredible. Now, what we're looking at in the, in, at the other guard spot is either going to be second-rounder Cam Jurgens or second-rounder Tyler Steen. We don't know yep. which, but either way, the guy's going to be homegrown. Then you go to the right side. It's Lane Johnson. First-round pick, high. You know, highly overall. Yes, Exactly. Uh, the entire offensive line is homegrown. Not one trade, not one free agent. That's yep. great drafting right there, whether yes. it's high or low. You know, you go from the extreme of Lane to Jordan Mailata, and then there's a bunch of guys in between. So they have a knack for that. They have a good development system with Jeff Stoutland. It's a good – they're in a good place at offensive line. Okay. Uh, there's no question. You know what? Yeah. Through the years, they hit and miss on so many, missed on so many areas. But the one constant was – They've always had, no matter who's making the decisions, who's scouting this team, they've always made the right decisions in terms of the trench warfare mm-hmm. on both sides of the line for the most part when you think about it. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Yeah. They've done an incredible job in terms of being consistent with finding linemen to put on their uniform. And, you know, people snickered. Let's face it. People snickered when they drafted a rugby player, a six-eight rugby player in the seventh round. <laughs> Uh, when he came out, this guy's never going to make it. He's practice squad material for his entire career. He doesn't even know how to put on a uniform, so on and so forth. Patience is his own reward. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, patience, good, you know, good coaching and hard work on all these guys' parts to get better. I, I, I'm watching video today again, Lane Johnson in the barn, just, just cranking. I mean, that guy works, man. It, it's, it's not a coincidence. He's as good as he is. He's always putting in the work. Um, all right, so let's running back is where it's a little bit unique. So they they signed Rashad Penny, who's a free agent, and they trade for they didn't get much up, but they they traded for DeAndre Swift. So they've taken kind of a different route with that. Whereas, you know, the last few years it's been a second round pick in uh, Miles Sanders. But so that this is where they're incorporating other stuff here, Derek, at the running back spot. They've they've gone let's face it cheap, and they and they've they brought in some guys. Now, uh, Kenny Gainwell was a draft pick, right? Yeah. Boston Scott, I believe they got him off the Saints uh, practice squad, maybe. So they, they've done it different ways at the running back spot. Well, this is the team that, that's not going to put a lot of money into a feature back. You know, even during the era of Chip Kelly, you know, when he decided to let LaShawn McCoy go, you know, yeah. their offense is structured to where a lot of backs can flourish in terms of what they need to do. And that's what the Eagles are going to do. They don't need a Josh Jacobs, a Derrick Henry, a Jonathan Taylor. You know, um, Miles Sanders was a thousand yard rusher, but he wasn't a so-called feature back. He was a lead back, but he wasn't a feature back. And as we saw, the more the season wore on, especially when it got to the playoffs, he became an afterthought more so than a forefront at the forefront 
of their offense, and Gainwell stepped up, and Boston Scott stepped up, so on and so forth. So, yeah, they, they've chose a, chosen a different route. They went out this season, they got proven commodities to help fill out the roster spot, but there's, you know, obviously some negatives with them in terms of health. But you don't have to run one of them unmercifully. You can back off and keep these guys a whole lot fresher deeper into the season. Yeah. Yep. Well said. All right. Then, then we go receiver and it's a little bit of everything. Um, you made the trade to get AJ Brown yep. with the Titans. You gave up a first rounder. No one is upset about that. He, he had a great year last year. You draft Devonte Smith in the first round. Now you yep. did that a year after taking Jalen Rager. And some people are saying you don't do that, but you got it right yep. uh, with Devonte. And then your third Whoever your third guy is, whether it's Quez, who was a later round pick, or uh, Zacchaeus, yep. that was a free agent trade. So that's a receiver's a little bit of a hodgepodge uh, position for them. Well, that's uh, that's understandable, you know. Um, I, in hindsight, now, man, we, we we ripped the Eagles for taking receivers in the first round in back to back years, but at least they were honest enough to admit finally they made a mistake with Rager and let him move on. And, and obviously, he's done nothing with Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, but they, but you're right. They bounce back and they get it right. They they changed their mo. That was the year they started changing their mo in terms of uh, neglecting players from the most dominant college conference yeah. in all of college. Yeah, that's, that's when the SEC started becoming yeah. a thing. Yes, yeah. thankfully. And so all of a sudden, thankfully, now they're hitting home runs by by honing in on that conference, and especially Alabama and Georgia. You know, yeah. the two mere pre, premier teams in that conference. Well said. Uh, well said. Uh, all right. So then tight end, obviously Dallas Goddard is a, is a homegrown uh, draft pick. He's been, the big thing is just stay on the field. When that guy stays on the field, he's a beast. So yep. you have Dallas Goddard uh, stole stole was a, was he, a, was he an undrafted free agent? I know Cal uh, Gutierrez was, but I'm not sure about him. Yeah. All right. Look, I'm going to pull that up right now. As we speak, I should have checked that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, you, you're, your starter at least at that spot uh, is, is a, a homegrown guy. So yeah. So stole. Yeah. Undrafted free agent. All right. Out of Nebraska. All right. So anyway, you, you, that's the offensive side. Now we go to the other side. And again, this is a real mix here. So you go Hassan Reddick, free agent, great free agent signing. Josh Sweat, Homegrown, fourth-round Home pick. Yep. Fletcher Cox, homegrown pick, first-rounder. Yep. Jalen Carter, homegrown pick, first-rounder. Brandon Graham, homegrown pick, first-rounder. That's that's essentially your starters across the uh, across the line of scrimmage here, or depending on how you view Hassan Reddick. Linebacker's a little bit different. Uh, Nicholas Morrow's a free agent. Kobe Dean was a third-rounder. You have a little mm-hmm. mix there. Your free agents – see, I'm going to count Reed Blankenship as homegrown because he was undrafted, but they signed him out of college. Yep. And then you you signed uh, Terrell Edmonds out of uh, out of Pittsburgh. You have Sidney Brown in the wings there who was a third-round pick this past year. That's your safety spot – or your uh, your safety and linebacker spot. Corner is, uh, is a trade for Slay, a yep. free agent Bradbury, and a draftee in the fourth round in Avante Maddox. So the, 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 the defensive side of the ball is really a mix where I think the offense is more heavier uh, draftees than anything else. I agree. And, yeah. you know, the, let, let's talk about the patience they had with Brandon Graham to develop. Uh, Fletcher Cox, they hit a home run with early in his career. He was, he was dominant early in his career. Josh Sweat finally came into his own. Yeah. You know, Jalen Carter, kid, the sky's the limit. Can't wait to see what this kid can do. 
Um, you know, and then you got another first round pick waiting in the wings in Jordan Davis. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't know what he's capable of, but you know, the sky's the limits for this young man. You you yeah. you got you got two guys in back to back years that are highly touted from back to back college football championship teams. Right. You know, um, and then we're not even talking about Nolan Smith, another one with a high ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the backups. So this this team has been hitting home runs left and right in terms of not just filling the starter, starters, but getting depth as well. Yeah. You know, at, at fair at, at fair bargain basement prices. You know, outside of Reddick, they didn't really think about it. They really didn't have – they paid Cox his money. Brandon Graham got his money. But at this stage of where they are, they're very feasible under the cap to allow them to do some other things. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, the mix and match – that they've been able to put together and look how it worked out for them last year. Yeah. It, look, I, 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 Derek, I think we will look back at, tw- it's a shame. And again, it's a shame. Another reason it's a bummer. They didn't win it, but I don't think we're going to see a team with that kind of depth. Maybe again, no, and not in a salary cap age. It's yeah. hard to have it's the kind hard. of depth that they had. Yes. You know, because the better they play, the more they command and you're forced to make some serious financial decisions and your decisions entail, can we fit them in un- under the cap or do we have to go through free agency mm-hmm. or the draft to try to replace them? And anytime you go to the draft, I don't care where you pick. It's, it's all you It's always spinning that roulette wheel. You don't know if they're going to pan out. You hope yeah. they do. And in Eagles cases, more times than not, they've panned out. Well, let, let's go back to, uh, to Howie and just, you know, the, the misses early and, and then the recognition, like you said, right around like 2018 or 19, that I, that I need to start digging into this conference that, that's got Georgia and Bama and, uh, and some of the other big boys. You look at what they've done there now. Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, all Georgia guys. Uh, yep. Landon Dickerson uh, out of Alabama. Devontae yeah. Smith, yeah, yep. out of Alabama. So, you, I mean, you're talking about, even if you maybe you want to mix in Clemson, who's, who's who had him had a couple years there, but yep. you talk about the two most dominant teams in college football over – over the last seven, eight years, Bama even further than that, which they have really dipped into that pool and it's, it's paid big time dividends. But and even when you go Jalen hurts, I mean, he spent three years at Bama before going to Oklahoma. Um, you know, they've done very well with that strategy. It seems obvious, right? But whatever, I don't care how they got to it. They're, they're doing it right now. Oh, there's no, no question about it. And, and, and along the way, Howie has had to learn some valuable lessons, as he expressed on this very show last year, in terms of not thinking consistently he's the smartest guy in the room. He had to start listening more to his scouting staff, uh, to his owner, to his grandfather. (laughs) You know, that was the best line ever. Even grandpa said, hey, uh, what about the guys in the SEC? How come you're not drafting more of those guys? Yeah. You know, and and kudos to Jeffrey Lurie for having the patience with Howie. You think about how many GMs, that had the multitude of hits and misses that Howie had prior to the last three years, they're not with those teams anymore. Yep. Okay. Howie somehow, someway woke up and said, you know what? My way is not the best way. And if I'm not, if I'm checking, if I keep doing it my way, I'm going to eventually hit the highway. Yeah. You know, he likes being a part of the Eagles organization. He likes where he is. He had to change. He had to take a long, hard look at himself in the mirror and realize that I've got to do a better job of listening to people. Um, he didn't listen to Modrak the way he should have. When Tom Modrak was one of the best evaluators of talent, I, you know, I knew Tom Modrak from Pittsburgh. You know, right. 
And he didn't really listen to Modrak a lot. But then all of a sudden, you know, Joe Douglas gets here. They, first of all, they hire a guy like Joe Douglas to be his second year. Joe Douglas comes from one of the best drafting entities in the NFL down in Baltimore. Ozzie so the Newsom. Fact, They're from the Ozzie Newsome tree. Yeah. Yep. So yep. the fact that he brings a Joe Douglas in to pick his brain on what you look for and how you draft, that was a start. And, and Andy then, Weidel, who was Douglas's Andy Weidel, man. Yes. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, how he evolved from there. And what he's done over the last three years um, in terms of, of getting frontline players, role, you know, significant role players, you, you can't help but you can't help but, but praise him for what he's done. And look at how people have changed. You know, it wasn't that long ago the fan base wanted to run Howie out of town. Yep. And now, you know, what, what was that video we had last year? We talked about how he's at some game and fans said, uh, you know, Howie, we forgive you. And how he says, "You forgive me, bleep you. I forgive you." you it know? was I. I think it was in Houston. I. I. I I'm trying to remember. I believe I think it was a right. road game in Houston. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, but that's one of the best exchanges ever. You uh -huh. know. No, listen. I, I. I'm still laughing about that exchange. Yeah. No. I. I, I agree with you. It was kind of like we just won a Super Bowl. We're, we at that point they were like whatever eight no, and and he was getting hit with that. Um. But yeah, I, I I think as much as, as painful as it probably still is for him, and certainly was at the time, you know, being sort of demoted for a year might have forced him to do things differently and look at himself differently and look in the yes. mirror differently and yes. ultimately made him better. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of life a lot of times. You know, when you get, you know, sort of punched in the mouth sometimes, it sort of wakes you up. You know, if everything's going well, you're going to kind of just go status quo. Like, hey, I'm, I'm crushing it. Well, I don't need to do anything different. When something happens, it forces you to step back and kind of take a look at things. And and I, you're right. Give Jeffrey Lurie a lot of credit because that whole situation was so weird. Like, he's still with the team, and he's still getting paid a lot of money. Well, what's he really doing? Is he just doing cap? Like, what's he doing? And yeah, then it doesn't work. It. Yeah, it doesn't work out with Chip, and you go back to him, and it's kind of like, wait, you didn't have enough faith in this guy to keep him around. Right. And now he's back? And how's this going to work? And with, with a new title, with an additional title. Yeah. I mean, ever since then. And, and if they do have a bad year, they usually bounce back quick. Like they had the bad year chips last year. And, you know, that, that first year under Doug was pretty good. You could see they were going in the right direction. Then they win it the next year. And then, you know, by the third or fourth year of Doug, it goes kind of sideways. And they, they get to the playoffs in Nick Sirianni's first year. And they get to a Super Bowl the following. Like, it has been, it's been a really quick bounce back for them when things go bad. It's not, they're not, they never fall into a real sustained period of, of poor football. Now, you know, and, and look at how, how, how some teams get the death penalty. Once they start to go bad, it takes them four or five years to bounce back. You know, a bad year for the Eagles is a good year for a lot of other teams. Yeah. You know, in, in recent years. Um, and, and, and again, it goes to a changing of the mindset, a changing of the blueprint. Um, we, we ran this course this way, and we got more negative results than positive results. Yeah. And when you surround yourself with successful people, if you truly open up your mind and if you truly admit I'm willing to learn, you can't help but be successful. Let's face I it, the, NFL's, the NFL is a – steal ideas from each other league as well as a copycat league. No doubt. You know, and how he stole ideas from Joe Douglas, 
from Andy Weidel and, and with a revamped coach, uh, uh, scouting staff as well. And it's paid off with uh, tremendous dividends for him. There's no question. Yeah, it has. And I, you know, I think too, the, the, it's tough because they've lost a lot of front office people. Yeah, they have over the last couple of years. I mean, guys departing to the Jets, to Cleveland, to, you know, to all over the place. And you always wonder as much as we always talk about this in terms of head coaches losing assistant coaches, which can hurt a team. So can losing these kind of key pieces in the organization. And I was, I was a little leery, you know, and I, and I think the other thing that Howie does really well is he just reads the draft board. Well, I agree. Um, you know, he had a sense that Jalen Carter was going to start falling. I, I don't know that he knew Nolan Smith would fall as far as he did. Cause I think, I think their plan ultimately was to trade away that third 30th overall pick this past year. But as he started to see Nolan Smith drop, he said, you know what, maybe we better stay where we are. But, and they, and they read the room with Jalen Carter and got up one spot to make sure that they got him there, which was smart. And, he utilized the first round pick, like I said, on AJ Brown, which is, I mean, you traded away a, what amounted to a, a prospect that you never saw play on the field to a proven qua- commodity in AJ Brown, and it was a great move. Yeah. And now you have, you know, arguably the best duo in football with those. No two question guys. about it. No yeah. question. Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of smart moves for sure. And again, this is where you also give the uh, the owner credit who believed in the GM and what he was doing. And now, you know, now you're talking about a team that also the off season, he's able to keep a lot of the players that we thought were going to walk Bradbury. We thought was going to walk. It looked like Slay was out the door. Fletcher uh, Cox. We didn't know about Fletcher Cox. Yeah. Brandon Graham. They, they were all able to stick around for various different reasons. I think Brandon just wanted to be here and was willing to take a, a cheaper deal, but, but you know, they still paid some other guys and they, they sort of revamped uh, the running back spot on the fly. And, and let you know Miles Sanders go, and they're, they're not big believers in that. You know, paying a, a running back a ton of money, but uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, darn good. All right, let's uh, let's get a timeout uh, here, Derek. Hey, Mr. Yes. Taz says, "Hey, just look at how much Rob owes D Gun for teaching him about new foods." <laughs> That's a good point, Mr. Taz. <laughs> We're expanding our horizons. I am. No, you're not. No, you're yeah, not. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get better. Uh, all right, so that's what we'll do when we come back. Uh, we will dip our toe into pretty much everything with Mike Sealski. We will talk Eagles as they're six days away. We will talk Phillies. We will talk Sixers. We will jump around with Mike, who covers it all for the Philadelphia Inquirer. So he'll come, he'll join us. We'll talk some more Sixers in depth at 1.30 at 2 o'clock NFL, including our greatest series, which continues with the Rams, and then a bunch of other stuff, including Tiger Woods. And it's also National Hot Dog Day, Derek Gunn. So we will touch on that as well. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because trying to find that right person to invest your hard-earned money with, okay, that that will do the right things for you so that down the line uh, you are taken care of because you work too hard not to be. I found the right person, and it's Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can assist you with. I know personally I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You can also email Jim at Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at Principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at Principal.com. 
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. We're back. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We appreciate you hanging out with us today. Always excited when we have our next guest on, and he joins us, who does an awesome job as a columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Also check him out on 94 WIP with Glenn Macnow most Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Sealski. Michael, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Hello, fellas. Good to see you. What's up, Mike? Mike? First of all, how was the uh, vacation? You you got, uh, you got out, man. You got out of the country and had a little, uh, had a little, uh, had a little fun as as, from what I've heard. Yeah. uh, Last week, my family and I went to France. We spent two nights in Colmar, which is a town in the eastern part of the country. It is is called Mini Venice because it has canals kind of going through it. And then we spent three nights in Paris, Uh, had dinner at the Eiffel Tower, saw the Louvre, saw Napoleon's tomb, uh, dressed up my nine-year-old son in a beret. It was uh, awesome. So, so why did you, so why did you pick the first town you mentioned? Why did you pick that particular town? Had you read something about it? Had you heard it about it from somebody else or what? My wife and I had actually been there, Gunner, uh, back okay. about a year and a half after we got married, back in 2009, and we okay. really liked it. And for cost reasons, <laughs> we actually flew into Zurich on the way there, uh, uh, took a train from Zurich to Colmar, and then took a bullet train 
from Colmar to Paris. We got, we traveled um, the same distance it would take to go from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh uh, in an hour and a half. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, I don't, bullet train makes me a little nervous though. The term makes me a little nervous. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was looking for like Brad Pitt or Wesley yeah. Snipes on board, you know, yeah. tracking a villain or something like yeah. that. But it was, it was an uneventful ride and it was a great trip. All right. All right, Mike. So we, we, we love to be able to jump around. Let's start with the news that just came down. Andrew Painter, uh, Tommy John surgery here. Um, you felt like it was headed this way, but here's what I think the Phillies were in a bit of a tough spot. Uh, you know, I know they were hopeful. So people are killing him saying they should have done this five months ago, but they were kind of hopeful that it would heal. I, you know, it, it never really works out that way when you just shut a guy down, it seems like. But what do you, what do you think about the uh, the Andrew Painter news? Yeah, you know, just knowing the background a little bit, Rob, uh, the doctors were telling them he, that he didn't necessarily need surgery. Yeah. So what do you do in that situation? I mean, I suppose you could be really conservative if you're the Phillies and insist, no, Andrew, you have to go under the knife, but ultimately, and you guys know this, uh, it's an athlete's decision. And yep. anytime uh, you're going to be undergoing surgery and you're an athlete, that is a big, big deal. And it makes athletes nervous and rightfully so. So look, I know we want to point fingers in situations like this. And I know you want to say shame on the Phillies for not taking care of this earlier, but none of these situations are ever that simple. And it, it always comes down to the athlete's decision himself. And if Painter want, was willing to wait to see how this all shook out, I'm not going to tell him that what he did was wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, Mike, I think the best case scenario is that he's a young guy, 20 years old. And as we know, the younger you are, the quicker you heal. It's unfortunate that we probably won't get to see him now until 2025. Yeah, it is unfortunate because there were a lot of high hopes with him. Gunner, as you said, and yeah. to be honest, the Phillies created a lot of them, those hopes themselves. You know, they were in spring training talking about him as being their fifth starter. Yeah. Or if he didn't make the rotation, maybe you bring him up during the course of the season. And we've seen with other teams in previous years how the injection of a young, unfamiliar arm can change the balance of a starting rotation in a pennant race. So there were a lot of expectations about him. There was a lot of hype. There was a lot of hope. And at the earliest, I would guess, as you said, people aren't going to see Andrew Painter pitch in the major leagues uh, for another year and a half, two years. Uh, whether that means the Phillies are going to make some kind of move with Painter, I know this has become kind of the, the discussion topic du jour around here. Uh, that I don't know. Um, you can make a good case either way. I would lean toward keeping him. Uh, I think arms are that precious that even if one goes under undergoes Tommy John surgery, you still hold out hope that he can recover and have a terrific career. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm giving up Andrew Painter for Juan Soto, uh, but no. you know, we'll see how this all shakes out in the year and a half to come. And Mike beyond Painter, they're playing great baseball uh, 27 and 10 since June, June 2nd. They go, uh, you know, they've really been on a nice little run here. They've had a couple hiccups here and there, but you know, they, they appear poised to, to be even better than they were last year. I mean, they're on, I think they're on pace for 90 wins at this point. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of good signs here the Stots of the world, the Marshes of the world, the Bohms of the world, even if your big boys aren't having a massive night, these guys seem to be, you know, delivering for you almost on a daily basis. Yeah. And the pitching has been better. You know, yeah. we saw that from Aaron Nola last night, uh, had hiccups in the fifth inning, but recovered and got you into the eighth. Uh, you know, Zach Wheeler has been pitching fine. Obviously Taiwan Walker and Ranger Suarez have been very good. Uh, 
there's still plenty of depth in that bullpen, although I wouldn't be opposed to them adding another arm if possible. Uh, and you're right, Rob. Trey Turner has been an ordinary player. Now, he's hit better lately over the last month. And if you're the Phillies, you have to hope that that's him pulling out of this and becoming the Trey Turner that everybody assumed he would be this season. Uh, but we still haven't seen like a prolonged hot streak uh, lately from Bryce Harper, for instance. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's the benefit of having a lineup like the one the Phillies have. Yeah, they can go cold all at the same time, but they don't. They can also all get hot at the same time, and they have enough guys that one or two of them could get hot and carry them for a couple of games, and then another one or two guys can get hot and carry them for a couple of games. I've always been more optimistic about their chances to kind of pull out of their early season struggles than a lot of people were not to pat myself on the back, but this is the team that they were supposed to be. And I think they're going to be a playoff team. And I think they're a team that nobody wants to face come October. Mike, how surprised are you at the turnaround of Kimbrell? 35 year old Kimbrell, I might add, you know, he was up and down early on, but my goodness, as he leveled out with 16 consecutive saves now. I'm surprised. I I thought that was a real shot in the dark when they signed him. I had very low expectations for him given uh, his inconsistency over the last several years, Uh, but he's been terrific. He's been absolutely great. And as I said, you know, the bullpen is a strength for them or should be a strength for them. And it could be an even greater one if they want to add another arm or two. Uh, And I wouldn't be opposed to that. We all know what happens come the playoffs. You're going to need arms. Uh, The Astros proved that last year. They, they seem to prove it every year, and uh, I don't think it would hurt the, the Phillies to bolster what already ought to be a strength of their team, and Craig Kimball's a big part of that. Yeah, he's been, especially with the injuries, he's been amazing. He really has. Uh, not quite Lygian, but you know, 16 for 16, there's something to be said for it, for sure, Mike. Um, Sixers. <laughs> as soon as you sighed, Rob, I knew where we were going. I mean, I have Sixers fatigue, Mike. Um, and I, you know, I know Daryl Morey was on 97.5 yesterday with Anthony Gargano and hit a bunch of different things, including, you know, Embiid, including Harden, including Maxi. you know, where all this is headed. Um, do you buy a plan is in place or do you feel like it's sort of wishing and hoping and on the whims of, of James Harden here? How do you, how do you assess what's going on with them? I don't see a real clear plan, Rob. Uh, I think the wishing and hoping is very prevalent, I guess you'd say. Uh, Harden has made his intentions clear. Nobody should be surprised that once the going got tough, James Harden wanted to get out. Uh, He did it in Brooklyn. He did it in Houston, and he's doing it now. Uh, I am of the opinion. uh, I share this with um, Tim Legler from ESPN, who expressed this very well a couple of weeks ago. I would move on from Harden for the simple reason that I'm not sure as long as Harden is here, you're going to see the full flourishing of Tyrese Maxey. I've used this analogy before. I'll use it again. In 2006, when the Phillies traded Bobby Abreu, they looked like dead team walking. Charlie Manuel looked like he was going to get fired. Everybody thought Pat Gillick was kind of waving the white flag on the season. And as it turned out, getting Abreu out of the clubhouse. And Bobby Abreu was a terrific hitter and a terrific player and the de facto leader of that team. But getting Abreu out of the clubhouse allowed that team to be turned over to Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and Ryan Howard. And we saw the best versions of them without Bobby Abreu there. And I think a similar dynamic would be in place here uh, if you moved on from Harden. Look, the guy doesn't want to be here. And you can bring him back and, and resign him to coming back. I don't think you're getting the best version of James Harden in that respect. 
And I don't think that even if you do, that that's necessarily enough to get you to the NBA finals. Mm. Okay. I'm glad you said that, Mike, because here's where I stand on this. And I'm 100% in agreement with everybody. Uh, James Harden has to go. But how do how do the Sixers get out from under this without being left with egg on their face? If I'm another organization, and the story is now prominent, Harden doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. I have the leverage in terms of how bad do you want to get rid of him because I'm not giving you what you think you're going to get for him. Now I'm going to give you something, and so if the Sixers deal whoever they deal him to, they can end up getting marginal players, maybe a draft pick. They're not going to get equal value for equal value. Is there any way you see the Eagles come out of this without looking like they have egg on their faces from this? I actually do see a way, Gunner. And I'll point to a column by the Los Angeles Times' Bill Plaschke, which ran the other day, in which he wrote that it was high time for the Clippers to go all in and trade for James Harden. The Clippers are the kind of team and are in the kind of situation that they might be willing to overpay for Harden because they are the number two banana in that town to the Lakers, uh, because they've been knocking at the door for a while, they might be willing to take a shot, and they have an owner in Steve Ballmer who is building a new arena and wants to get momentum behind the team and all those sorts of factors, if you mix them together in a kind of stew, would might lend themselves to the Clippers not necessarily trying to lowball the Sixers, but actually trying to overpay to get some buzz and take a shot. So I think that's the dynamic that's in play between the Sixers and the Clippers and Maury and the Clippers is uh, if you're if you're Maury, you have to hope that the Clippers are desperate enough, given the situation that they're in, that they might be willing to to give you a little bit more than every other team would for Harden. Yeah, he's he's uh, the kind of excitable sort that you you might be able to, you know, coax into that kind of deal. Mike. If anybody's yeah, seen him, the, I, I think that's completely in, possible in the seats. He's a, he's a bit of a whack job, man. That, you know, that's for sure. I'll tell you the other thing that, that takeaway from this is there's also a little, Hey, we're setting up for 24, 25 mode, like prepare yourself because you, there's only two guys under contract and Embiid and PJ Tucker. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that at play too. Not to say Maxi won't get re-signed or anything like that, but I also think they're they're laying the groundwork a little bit for. Yeah, we this might be a bump in the road, but hey, what do you see? What we're able to do? It's almost the hinky thing. Like it's the shell game. Hey, it's a couple steps away, but you could see it a little bit. Yeah, but there's danger there too. I mean, they haven't. They could have signed Maxi this off season, and yep. they haven't. And uh, if I were, you know, Tyrese Maxi's agent, I'd be using that as as some leverage down the road. Uh, and I might not be happy about it right now. Here's an opportunity for me to sign with this team that drafted me that supposedly considers me a cornerstone player. And they had an opportunity to sign me and they didn't. Uh, so you can, you can make all your promises that, that I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but until I put pen to paper, who knows? So they've got to be careful there too. I don't think they want to get rid of Tyrese Maxey, but I know they also don't want to upset him in any regard either. Yep. Mike, uh, people really, uh, took off when, the other day when when, when uh, Embiid came out and said, basically, hey, whether I, I want to win a championship, whether it's here or somewhere else. Do you think he's laying the groundwork and putting it out there that he's at the point of frustration to where this might be his last year in Philadelphia? I think he's sending a shot across the bow of Daryl Morey in the franchise, sure, yeah. Gunner. And uh, I don't know how – committed Embiid is to remaining in Philadelphia, how much he wants that. You know, there have been certain players 
who wanted that out of their franchises. Um, Kobe Bryant, but even Kobe Bryant was open to being traded and demanded to be traded at one point in his Lakers career. Uh, so these kinds of machinations happen with star players. I, I think the, the dynamic that's interesting here is that for the first time in a while, I feel like Joel Embiid, even after winning the MVP award, is starting to exhaust some people who hadn't been exhausted with him before. There's always mm -hmm. been a contingent in, in and around the city that said, hey, you know, you sat out those first two years. You know, do you really understand what it takes to be a, a truly elite player, to be on the level of a LeBron or a Steph or to have that internal gotta have it winning yeah. mentality that a Jimmy Butler has, even if he hasn't won a championship. And I wonder if people are starting to go, come on, Joel, like you had hard in the last couple of years, you had a three, two lead against the Celtics and you didn't play well at all in game six and seven, stop pointing the finger elsewhere and just look at yourself a little bit more. I think, I wonder if his standing in the community, so to speak, um, is changing because of this kind of, uh, scenario playing out over and over again. Yeah, I don't know how it can't be a little bit, Mike. Like, I'm, I'm not saying most people, I don't, I, I'm not going to say the consensus won him traded, but what I would say is when you go out the way that he went out last year, um, I think, I think people are ready to be just done with Harden. I know I, I'll speak for myself. I, I'm willing I, to give him be like one more year and see mm. if he, he can do all the things that you just laid out right there. But I got to tell you, I'm having massive doubts that he, he does have whatever that, that internal makeup that you have to have. I, I really do. I think he's, he's one season away from wanting out himself and the fans saying, you know what? He's been the kind of common denominator here the entire time. It's time to move on. Not going to win with him. Yeah. I don't know if it's, they should proactively look to trade him, Rob, um, because he is a great player and you don't, you know, either in a trade or in a draft pick, yeah. you aspire to get the kind of player that Joel yeah. Embiid is and you already have him. Uh, I do wonder though, if, you know, and we, I think we've talked about this, whether just internally based on his background, based on the way he approaches basketball, uh, does he have that thing yeah. that just burns inside of him that says, I will do whatever I have to do to win in the way that Kobe, LeBron, Steph, Tim Duncan had. Right. And I don't know that yet. And I think it's fair to question mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. All right. Well then that's, let me look at it from a two year perspective then let's, let's say Joel Embiid plays similar to what he played this year at an MVP level, but all of a sudden disappears be out of frustration or whatever the case may be. Are you willing to give him another year beyond next year based on the fact that, number one, the pocketbook is open for the Sixers to build a much better nucleus around him? There are a lot of great – let's face it, there's a lot of great athletes who are great because they're surrounded by other players that take a lot of the onus off them and they're allowed to do their thing. Maybe that's what Joel needs is a better collection of players around him for him to really shine as a championship-caliber type player. Are you willing – to, to possibly look at a two-year plan with a Joel with a completely different roster of players. Oh, absolutely. I am Gunner. I mean, okay. I, like I said, I don't want to make a, a proactive decision to trade a superstar of Joel Embiid's caliber. We've okay. seen how that works in yep. Philadelphia. We saw it with Charles Barkley going back 30 years and people remembered exactly how good Charles Barkley was once yep. he got to the Phoenix suns and had a terrific team around him. 
So I'm absolutely willing to keep Joel Embiid here and see what the Sixers can do uh, next offseason to, to build around him. I do think, though, that it doesn't do him any good to kind of go like this to Daryl Morey and the team and say, hey, guys, the clock's running. Get me some help. People are just tired of that because they've seen MB come up short in the postseason before. And I do think your point is well taken, Gunner, in that as a player, as a, as a, the style of play that Joel Embiid has, as a post player, as a guy who uh, likes to shoot from the outside, even though he's 7'2", 300 pounds, one of the things that I think the Sixers need to address is the versatility of what they do in the postseason. Um, I've heard Bob Myers, the former general manager of the Golden State Warriors, talk about this. The playoffs are a completely different animal from the regular season. And what Embiid can do in the regular season is much harder for him to do in the postseason. He becomes a little more predictable. He becomes a little easier to stop. And especially when you see him night after night after night and you're the same team game planning against him. So the more variety offensively the Sixers can bring to bear in their roster, the better off they're going to be. And, you know, some of that too comes down to Embiid and a willingness to diversify his game in the postseason. You know, I would like to see him just go down to the low block and score over guys more often. Uh, a jump hook, a turnaround, something in the post. Stop hanging around and, and running that high pick and roll with Harden or whoever else. Just try to diversify your game some more and give teams more to think about. Yeah, use your left hand. Um, all right, so a couple other uh, things. Uh, I got my man, my man who uh, Jack Callahan checking in from Dublin. What's up, buddy? That's Cal, the great Cal. Anyway, uh, so I wanted to hit you with some Eagles, Mike, because we are on the uh, the cusp here. Six days away, six days away from uh, training camp. Derek's very excited for the for the start of of training camp. Gunner, what's the, what's the matter, well, man? He's thrilled. He is beyond thrilled, Mike. Mike, Mike, okay, let's stop right here for a second. Mike, see, here we go. Mike, see, I don't get excited for training camp because of what training camp is, which is basically glorified walkthroughs, okay? My, Rob gets excited when he sees the players coming out of the locker room for yes, the first sir. time. I do. All the cameras focused on them. They're shaking hands. Brandon, and Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey kissing yeah. babies. Yes, I do yeah, enjoy they, that. They, they go out on the field for 55 minutes, barely work up a sweat, and all of a sudden they're off the field. And from your perspective and my perspective, you go, wait a minute. That's oh, it. Don't, that, lump, don't let Mike into your, your grand you know, arena. I, I will say Derek. this. That, that is fair. Uh, I mean, I, I, I like it. I like it from this perspective, Rob. I like the access. Yes. I like the fact that, you know, we kind of have, you know, for the one time all year, we have a, a bit of free reign to be able to talk to these guys. Having said that, I mean, like Gunner and like you, I remember the good old days yes. back when they were at Lehigh yes. and yes. black screen TVs and video games. Yes. But you, you were out there for two hours and you actually saw them play football yes. and yes. you learned a little bit more about mm -hmm. what the team was going to be like. I, I'm sure you guys remember this. I will never, ever forget my first time seeing Terrell Owens in oh, training camp at yeah. Lehigh and going, oh my God, this is what an elite wide receiver looks yeah, like. Yeah. And there was such a difference between what he was doing on that field and what James Thrash and Todd Pinkston and Freddie Mitchell had been doing on that field yes, in previous yes. years that it was like, oh my gosh, okay, yeah. now, now we're in for a show this season. Yeah, but Mike, even beyond that, I'm glad you brought up Terrell Owens. You go to Lehigh when he was there. 
25,000 people were in the stands. It was like being at a game almost. It, it was. I'm not saying that wasn't better. It was better, but at least I, I'm getting a little football fix now. Yeah, right? but you know, you know what it is? You know what it is, Gunner and Rob? It's the difference between Christmas in Lehigh and Festivus at the Novacare yes. complex. There you go. There you that's, go. Yes. That's but see, no, no, see, Novacare, you have selected individuals who get to go out to the field. You yeah. get the corporate yeah. sponsors and their family. Great people. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah. But it's not just the diehard fan. It used to be a part of their rituals in summer. It was a part of their vacation. They would go up to Lehigh. They would rent rooms. You get to meet the people. You stand on the sideline with them, and they tell you the stories. We come up here every summer. We've been doing this since Grandpa was alive. And now mm -hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, we're from corporate so-and-so. Well, and, 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 and that was only Ray Dittinger's family. Hey, good point. They all had khakis on, and nobody had a cell phone. But, no, that that's – but that's – I agree with that's a different argument though. Like I hate that the fans don't have this access anymore. I can't stand it. I mean, you get one open practice. Yeah. You don't even get the 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 joint yeah. practices, which they they view as even exactly. more important than the exactly. preseason. I, that stinks. I agree a hundred percent. I'm just saying I get to this time of year, I'm itching for football. And I'm, I'm I, I am too. I am too. I have to admit. September yeah. doesn't count until September. Oh you might think about it, Mike, under this present regime. They even put limitations on how much a training camp you can watch now. There's certain days you can't even watch training camp, whereas you used to have free access from, from start to finish for three hours. You stand out there, borderline heat stroke. You were happy with that because you had so many different story elements to get to. Here, you got to make up stuff half the time because, oh, uh, you can only watch practice on Monday, Tuesday, Friday, or, oh, this day is off limit, or this scrimmage is now off limit. You're like, it's training camp. What are you talking about? Are we only going to be out here an hour and 20 minutes, not three hours anymore? You're like, what the heck is this? And we had to walk uphill both ways along the campus of Thank Lehigh you. University. And we ate dirt for lunch, and we liked it. Thank you. It wasn't we like an old Dana Carvey. And Dana Carvey used to be like an angry old man. Yeah. That's that. Yep. No. yep. And we liked it. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's like Kirk Cousins. You like that? Um, yeah. All right. Have you watched, by the way, the QB uh, documentary? Not yet. I, I haven't had a chance. My my family and I are late to the Stranger Things game, and we are plowing through season four. Okay. We have a couple episodes left before we finish it off. So as soon as I do that, then I'm going to watch quarterback. I'm wait. I'm plowing through the Bear uh, season two. I've started I'm, it. I haven't. I haven't. I'm only three episodes yeah. into season one. I got to get back great, to it. Yeah, great yeah. series. Great it's very series. good. Like it's. It's very good. You, I mean, you'll see. I mean, you'll you'll enjoy it. I don't want to give anything away, but I'm I'm I have about three left in season two, so I'm I'm almost done. Anyway, um, all right. So upcoming season, certainly bar is very high, Mike. And you know they did lose some players and some coaches. So should it be as high as we have it? Is that is it is it valid in your estimation with the talent they have? Look, the expectations are going to be high. There's nothing that anybody can do about it. Least of all the Eagles. Uh, that's just the way people view them. That's the way they view the rest of the conference. My feeling on this is they could be every bit as good as they were last year and they'll have a worse record because the schedule is tougher because there's going to be runoff from Brandon Graham's a year older. Jason Kelsey's a year older. You've lost Isaac Sayamalu, who was terrific on the interior of your line. There are some more question marks on defense. Uh, can everybody play as well as they played last season? Uh, I think we could have a situation where the Eagles go 12 and five or 11 and six, and people are going, what's wrong with this football team? Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Uh, I think the idea that they're going to get back to the Super Bowl because they are clearly the number one team in the NFC uh, is foolish to think so because 
Every season in the NFL is its own unique entity. And we have no idea yet uh, what teams are going to be, are going to jump up out of nowhere and be really good. And whether the Eagles can sustain what they built last season, look on paper, they're terrific. And they may very well turn out to be terrific again. And I would bet that they probably will be, uh, but terrific isn't necessarily 14 and three. Yep. And it isn't necessarily being tied with, the, the latest dynastic team in the league with the best quarterback and maybe the best head coach uh, with four minutes to go. So, uh, you know, I, I think by that standard, Rob, mm-hmm. people are going to be disappointed because it could still be really good and not be what it was last season. It makes a lot of sense. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yep. Where I'm at. Mike, what, what do we have next? What's next on the docket? What should we be looking out for here? Uh, I'm actually doing a column for this week exactly on that topic, Rob, about oh, why I think the Eagles, you know, probably won't be as good this coming season and everybody should kind of cool their jets. And yeah, I'm the guy you want at parties because I'm the one who brings the fun. You and Derek. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Mike, we, old man. That's right. We appreciate it. Uh, follow Mike at Mike Sealski on Twitter and certainly uh, inquire.com for all of his great work. And it is certainly worth the, uh, the, uh, subscription. So, Mike, keep up the good work, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate you it. You Mike. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Mike. See you, bud. All right. That is Mike Sealski of the Inky. All right. Let's get a quickie in here, Derek, and let's dig a little bit more into this uh, this Sixer stuff because I, I think there's there's a little bit more to it. So we'll 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 dive into that and kind of hit it hard here uh, when we come back and some of the things that Daryl Morey had to say. Where what's the direction of this? Uh, this franchise in the two o'clock hour, our NFL segment, uh, we'll talk about Zach Martin, Cowboys guard, who's unhappy, which is, could be a very big deal. Interesting things from former Cardinals general manager, Steve Keim on Kyler Murray, uh, Tua, Alex Highsmith gets paid. There could be a receiver coming loose that maybe could help the Eagles from a depth perspective. We'll get into all those kind of things when we come back. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time to tell you right now, get a little rain, a little bad weather here that we've had in the area lately. A lot of rain, soaking kind of rain, which can cause some flooding. Well, guess what? If that happens to you or you go through the inconvenience of fire, of, of you know water, smoke, mold damage, ProAction Restoration is the place to turn to because they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to help you. I've gone through it. I went through it on a Saturday at my parents' house, and I wasn't sure what to do. I reached out to them, and man, they got right there. They got right out. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They fixed things. They cleaned it up. The crew was professional. The price was reasonable. Uh, it all worked out perfectly. They are licensed, bonded, and fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Proaction restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. You give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. Or online, ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go. Oh, Mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare.
right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network on this uh what is kind of a rainy wednesday in our area how how is uh, how are things in delaware have they cleared up a little bit gunner uh partially sunny overcast rain stopped it was rain, drizzling earlier um a little cooler today a little cooler which is yeah. fine yeah um but, it's, but the rain stopped at least that's good that's good <laughs> Go ahead. Keep shoveling in whatever you're eating. That's all right. All right. There we go. Okay. Thank you. I don't want you to no choking or anything like that. Um, All right. Let's go back to, uh, to the Sixers here for a second. And again, Daryl Morey was on 97.5, the fanatic with Anthony Gargano. So a couple of the highlights here. He said that he he did confirm that he wants out. Just, we all knew that, but um, said he won't move on from him unless it benefits the team. Uh, need either a player to keep them in the running in the East or draft picks that they can turn into a player. Now, one of the things that he said was, and I guess he sort of has to say this, so I do understand it a little bit, but you know, he really referenced and, and made it sound like, hey, we were this close. We lost to a really good team in the Celtics in the East, and it was in a game seven. And it's like, we've all heard this and seen this a million times. Like, nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying it. No. The bottom line is you lost. You didn't finish it. You were right there on the cusp of finishing them off, and you didn't. You let them off the hook. You went home with egg on your faces. So you weren't right there because if you were right there, you would have been in the conference finals. You didn't get to the conference finals. So you have to go back and redo the blueprint. And obviously right now the the big part of that uh, redrawing the blueprint with a new head coach is what do you do with James Harden? Now, if, if what we're hearing from Mike uh, Silski is true about how the Eagles can get out of this without egg on their faces, I didn't get to present this to Mike, is if the Clippers are the primary potential trade candidate, there's really only two players on the, on the Clippers roster I want. There's Paul George or, 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 or Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, no shot. If I'm, if I'm the Clippers, and, and if what Bill Plansky's article says is true, they got to make a run now. Well, you need George and Kawhi, two players, by the way, who have injury histories. You need Big both injury them, histories. Yeah, yep. to get to the finish line. You're not giving up one of them to get James Harden because, to me, you're right back at square one. Your decent team is going to get to the playoffs, but you're going to crumble in the biggest moments. You need to add a James Harden to them to make all, – all great NBA teams have at least three players. Okay. Outside of that, there's nobody else on the Clippers that I'm excited about trading James Harden for, mm-hmm. if you really think about it. So why am I trading James Harden to the Clippers if I'm not getting that caliber of a player back? Well, yeah, it, it's a great question. And I think that this is where you it, you start to fall into the, are you doing what's best for the player who's leaving? Or are you doing what's best for the team? And to me, I could care less where James Harden gets shipped to. Give me the best return. I'm not trying to do him any kind of favors. But I think Maury will try and get him to the place that he wants to be. Um, and I think the way this this plays out is they're not getting either Kawhi or Paul George. And frankly, I don't know that I want Paul George. He's, he's, he's so banged up. I don't want any parts of Paul George. Kawhi's hurt all the time too, frankly. Yes. But if you could get Norman Powell and, and Terrence Mann in picks, I'd be okay with that. I, I think they may be able to fit into Nick Nurse's scheme a little bit. Um, and I think it would actually be a, a pretty good remedy for this. But what the problem you have is 
And I know this is not why you make deals or how you make deals or the timing of when you make deals, but the fans are exhausted by this. Yeah. And for you to be sitting here and, and have to get through the entire summer and into the, you know, a little bit of the fall, I think into September and wait this out and not, no, not to mention what we talked about earlier, how unfair it is to Nick nurse. The fans are just, you're already, you're already leaning on a Sixers fan base. That's tired anyway. Yeah. And asking them to put up with the whole summer of this crap. I mean, honestly, but we had a pretty interesting discussion pre-show, the three of us, you, me, and Tone, who's our producer, uh, regarding Joel Embiid and just kind of where you're at in this point. So let's bring Tone on uh, now because uh, I want to kick this around. So one of the things – hey, Tone, what's up, bud? Um, one of the good things, morning, fellas. Good, buddy. Good. Uh, thanks for hopping on. W- one of the things that, that was also a piece of the interview, uh, and I thought Anthony did a great job, by the way, but he also did the – I mean, not Anthony, Daryl Morey. One of the things that Daryl Morey said was, you know, Joel really wants to be here. He was just being practical from a business standpoint. And you know how he is. Like, basically, uh, he might have been trolled. First of all, I don't buy for two seconds that was a troll job. Nope. Joking, trying to get fans cracked up. He wasn't doing any of that. Nope. He was, I think he was doing two things. I think one, he was letting you know, like, yeah, there could be. I could need to change of address at some point. He was also trying to get the Sixers to get moving. But let's dip into what we were talking about. I think we're all kind of ready to see Harden go. Right. But as far as Embiid goes, I'll start with you, Tone. Where do you fall? Just kind of where you're at with him in general at this point as a Sixer. <sighs> to put it plainly, I'm ready to move on. Uh, the reality is we've seen Joel Embiid in various situations under various circumstances, and time and time again, they've lost to the inferior team. This past season, we saw them against the Boston Celtics. Some people would say during the season, the Boston Celtics were the, Boston Celtics were the better team, right? But the reality is that Boston Celtics team, despite talent, they were very dysfunctional, yep. and they were vulnerable. And the Philadelphia 76ers, the Joel Embiid-led Philadelphia 76ers cannot take advantage of a vulnerable Boston Celtics team that pretty much was ready to lay down and die when you had them at three and two. You gave them game six. You gave, I watched that game from beginning to end. And I vividly remember the Philadelphia 76ers somehow, some way, just folding in the fourth quarter. Folding. Now, sure, Jason Tatum made shots at the very end, but you wasted Jason Tatum's worst game of the series. You wasted it. That was his worst game, his worst shooting night of the series, and you wasted it. You allowed him to make key shots down the stretch, which put him in which which put that team in position to win Game Six, and they went on to smack you in Game Seven. Right. So you lost to the Celtics. Then the the year prior to that, I believe they lost to uh, who was Atlanta? That? Atlanta. You lost. You lost to Atlanta. I went to Game Five. Or what? Yeah, it was two years ago. No, I'm sorry, that was two years ago. Two prior Last year. Still Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yes. Um, then then one year you lose to the Atlanta Hawks. Right. Another team who is, in oh, my they opinion, they, they were inferior. They were completely inferior. Yep. You allowed that team to come in, crush you in game five. I remember that game vividly. The Sixers had a 30-point lead at one point. They blew it. I don't know how they did it. but It they was blew the it. Heat the year before. Yep. Yes, they lost to the Heat the year before. Correct. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and then you lost to the Heat. Another team that's, that was inferior talent-wise, but they punked you. Yep. They punked you. To, that's the honest reality. Jordan Bede had injury after injury after injury through playoff run after playoff run after playoff run. And, I'm, and I'll be quite honest with you guys. I don't believe he has it. 
I don't think he has the championship it factor, right? He's talented. We're not here to debate his talent. We're not here to debate the validity of his MVP award. We understand that when it comes to talent, when it comes to putting the ball on the court and putting the ball on the hoop, he's him. We understand that. But the reality is Joel Embiid is not a winning player. He cannot get out of the second round. He is not the leader you want. We've seen too many moments. Every time things go, every time things go bad at the end of the season, you see him in a press conference or an interview saying, well, you know, I, I can't do it by myself, you know. Just, just a week ago, well, not a week ago, I'm sorry, when he won the MVP, we saw him saying, you know, I couldn't have got this award without these guys. He got his MVP. Soon as things go south, you know, me and James can't do everything by ourselves, you know. So it's like, which is it? Which is it, Joel, Joel yeah. Embiid? So I've come to the conclusion that this isn't about talent anymore. This is about a desire. This is about a commitment to your teammates. This is about having that it factor. And he just doesn't have that it factor. So if you ask me, you move on from James Harden, you move on from Joel Embiid whenever you can. Derek, uh, Derek, I, 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 I see what you're saying about giving him an additional year to see how mm-hmm. it looks under mm-hmm. Nick Nurse. I, I think I think I'm leaning towards yeah, that. Yeah, that's where I'm at. But yeah. but my emotion, my emotion is ready to move on from him now because his value will never be higher. And who's to say he won't have another injury uh, right. during during this coming I'll, season? He's no, coming off the MVP. I'll re- his I'll value will never be higher. Yeah. yeah, I'll reiterate what I said uh, to Mike Sielski. Right. And I've seen this happen in multitudes of sports. Sometimes your greatest players are great because of the people around them. Yeah. There's some there's some great athletes that cannot handle the day in and day out pressure of being the sole focal point. A Michael Jordan could handle that. A Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was great because look at the talent around him. You couldn't double up Kareem because you had so many other options, and because he was so dominant, what he did, all he had to do mm-hmm. was what he did. I think Joel Embiid is that kind of player. If he look look at what happens in the playoffs, especially with Boston, once they identify. If we double Joel and B, we can cut the head off the dragon because they don't respect the other players around them. If James Harden beats us, okay, we don't think the other players can beat us. But if we double down on Joel, and look how frustrated he got as the series wore on because it will double down on him, slapping his hands, taking the ball away from him. Right. messed with his, his mental psyche. But if you put a better collection of players around him and they can't double down on him, I think Joel could just – basically abuse abuse anybody trying to defend him. Yeah, I mean, that's why when Doc Rivers left, one of the things he said is Embiid needs an alpha. Now, I don't think any of us like to hear that. We want him to be the alpha, but it is what it is. He needs an alpha, and James Harden's not an alpha. No. James Harden's a worse yeah. version of Embiid when it comes to big spots. They had one, but then they lost Yeah, they had Jimmy Biden. Butler, right. and, and, you know, he didn't get along with Ben Simmons, and he didn't get along with Brett Brown, two people who aren't here I would anyway. say Jimmy Butler would have made uh, Joel Embiid a much better. Agreed. I completely mental, agree. Mental Agreed. No, but no he, debate he, there. No debate. Mentally like, tough player. I agree with you, and they missed that badly. And they thought P.J. Tucker – P.J. Tucker's not good enough. That's the problem. No, like, he no. is a guy who's a dog and has made a great career out of just, just being, you know, worker and scrapper and all – you love right. that. But he, he, you have to be better than, frankly, and no disrespect with P.J. Tucker. So here's where I'm at with Embiid. Tone, I get what you're saying. And I'm, I'm, I'm leaning that. I'm like this. Here I am, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I got to try it one more year at least and see what it. it looks like with Nurse. Before, but but I'm telling you, man, like I, if you're asking me right now, will Joel Embiid win a championship as a Sixer? My answer would be no. I'm not seeing it. You're right. Just, if you I'm press just, me I'm, on I'm the spot, I'm saying no. Now, and I hate that I feel that way, but I feel that way. Now, now, now let me say this to you guys. Right, I, I know we've gotten into some casual debates about whether Tyrese Maxey is capable of taking the reins, right? Right. And I'm with Mike Sielski on this. You'll, you will never – 
ever see, and this goes into keeping Joel Embiid another year, because I want to see what a Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid combo looks like for an entire season. I need to see that because I refuse to believe that Tyrese Maxey is what he is. Let's be totally frank about Tyrese Maxey's development. He's been developing tremendously over the past three years. He's, he's entering year four. His rookie year, he averaged eight points coming off the bench. Okay, young guy coming into his own, had to figure it out, right? Year two, averaging 17 and a half points. I believe that was uh, his first year starting, I believe. But he still was coming off the bench uh, time and time again. But um, he played 75 games starting in 74. So he was a primary starter in 2021, 2022. Then the 2022 season comes. He averages 20 He averages 20 points a game. He plays 60 games, um, started in 41. He, was, he, he had a little bit of an injury bug earlier in the year. Um, but he came off the bench time, you know, here and there just to get back from that injury. But this is where it really, this is where it really stands out to me when it comes to Tyrese Maxey. Rookie season, again, played in 12 playoff games, came off the bench, only averaged six points a game, young guy. But his sophomore season, 2021 to 2022, that playoff run where they lost to the Heat, he averaged 20 points in the playoffs through 12 games, averaging 40 minutes a game, 40 minutes a game. And then, this, this past playoff run, he averaged 20 points again, averaged about 38 minutes per game, and his, and his efficiency has only gone up as a player. So my point is, if he's doing this, playing next to James Harden for the past two, well, one and a half seasons, if he's doing this next to James Harden in the current situation, can you imagine if you actually give him the keys, if you actually say, listen, we're leaning on you this year, you are our, you are our number two behind Joel and B. You, we're, we're giving you the keys to be the guy. I gave you guys the comparison of we've seen Jokic and Jamal Murray develop into what they are. They weren't always this. Jamal Murray was a slow was a slow burner. He he actually just became actually that 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 playoff against the bubble. That's when we In finally bubble, started. That's when he blew up. That was when we respected Jamal then Murray. Then he got hurt. Right. Yep. Yep. I see a similar trajectory with Tyrese Maxey and. Joel Embiid, if they actually lean into it. Tyrese Maxey can score on all three levels. He can score in the fast break. He's become one of the best three-point shooting guards in the league, one of the most efficient, right? He can score with either hand, has one of the best layup packages for one of these young guys in the league. Sure, he can probably develop that point guard mentality of orchestrating the plays, but he's never been asked to do it. So if we actually give him the opportunity to do so, I'll be willing to see Joel Embiid hang out with Terrence Maxey for another year or even maybe another two years. Well, I think that's also why you keep Embiid because you got to see what those two look like when they're paired exactly. one, two. And I think I think the big thing, I agree with you. Like, here's what Maxey has to show you this year. It's We know he's like Hurts in the sense that the dude just works. He is mm-hmm. a worker. He's a man. grinder. I, I have no problem him. paying Terrence Maxey. Right. right. He's a team guy and all that. What the pro the issue you have is he's really at least right now a two and a one's body. Okay, he's a combo guard. What I want to see is some a little bit more point guard characteristics and traits from him. Being able to feed the post, you know, uh, running an offense, setting a team up, getting guys in the best position. I just want to see a little bit more of that from him. Like there's so many other things that are great here with this guy, and he just gets better and better and better. Just that's needs opportunity. This, he needs opportunity, yeah, and that's what this season could be for him. Yeah. If if Harden's not here, you know, one of the other things that, that Mac uh, Maury talked about was the the reason they didn't extend him this year is because the, the cap gets goofy next year right. and there's all kinds of penalties if you go over and all that. But you can do things with your own people. It also will allow them if they're doing this thing where they're clearing all the books, except for Embiid right. and Tucker to get really aggressive. So I'm okay with that from a Sixer standpoint, but I, that's the only growth I want to see from Maxi. And I love the guy, but I want right. to see a little bit more point guard. Let me ask you. Let, let me ask you both this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought this up. 
say say Maxie moves to the point. What if he's the same player at the point as he was at the two? Is that good enough for you? Is it satisfactory enough for you guys for him to be an integral part of this this team moving forward? Uh, it, is, it, would, it wouldn't well, mean sorry, I'd no, want no. to get rid of him. It would right. not mean that if he can't show me that. What it really tells you is you need to get him a, a, a quality size one who can guard the other team's wing. The Sixers used to do that with Iverson and Eric Snow. They need mm-hmm. to sort of do that same thing uh, if that's the case. So, but, but I'm sorry, go ahead, Tom. We're, we're, no, yeah. I, um, I basically just wanted to, you know, throw this out there as well. You know, this team, I believe you guys mentioned it next year, there's only going to be two people on contract. That's Joel Embiid yeah. and P.J. Tucker, right? Correct. So I say this, and you bring in a new coach and Nick Nurse, and we've seen Nick Nurse maximize the Toronto Raptors team without a Kawhi Leonard. We've seen him maximize that, had that team in the playoffs every single year. So I say this, right? And this kind of go, and this kind of lends more so to my theory about trading Joel Embiid. This, I understand that if you trade Joel Embiid, you move James Harden, you're a worse team. But if you think about what you can get back for a Joel Embiid and a James Harden, and then on top of that, you couple that with what Nick Nurse has been able to do with lesser talent with the Toronto Raptors. My thing is, if you can see a well-coached team under Nick Nurse that has some young quality talent led by whoever it is at the time, maybe Tyrese Max is there, whoever you decide to bring in, my point is, if you can have Nick Nurse maximize a roster that relatively has some quality young guys on it and you see how far he can take that, because we've seen teams that didn't really have the star yet. They were talented all, all the way around the board, but they didn't have the star yet, and they were first-round exits or maybe a second-round exit, right? You find out what this team is after you make those trades, and then at that point you plug in a star who may be available, and then that star can take you over the hump. I'm just really, really fed up with – the lackluster effort in the biggest moments when it comes to Same. the Philadelphia 76ers superstars. And the Philadelphia 76ers have become, in my opinion, they've become the chargers of the NBA. I think they're the Cowboys. They're going to always – yeah, right, if you if you add in the drama. You, you might yeah. be on to something, right? They, they, they become the Cowboys of the NBA. They're talented. They're going to always they're going to always give you 50 games, 50 games won. They're always going to get into the playoffs. They're going to get to the second round. But after that – they're going to break your heart. Yeah. So I'm tired of like, we've seen this song and dance time and time again. And I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to change the I'm ready to turn the page to the point where Joel Embiid's gone, James Harden is gone. I need to see something else. Get me excited about something else. I don't care if it's even guys, I don't know who they are. I need to see I need to see that you're trying to shift something. Think of how many years you went through that frustration when it was a Andy Reid coached Eagles team. They they would get you they, they would get you to the promised land, but they couldn't get you to brass ring. It wasn't until a, a guy named Doug Peterson, his understudy, came in here, it changed the whole complexion mm-hmm. of what it felt like to be a champion in the city of Philadelphia. Absolutely. And and, and I see what you're saying, Tone, in terms of giving up Joel and B, you know, while he still has some value. Really quickly, what do you guys think you, you can get back for a Joel and B right now? You're, what do you guys it, think you can get it, back? It's a weird market. I mean, he's an MVP, he's only 30, but He's a center. Yeah. And I'm not comparing centers to running backs. I'm not right, saying right. that, but you're not going to get the same value you would get for a wing who was coming off an MVP. I, I don't think you will. And the other thing that teams, if they're smart, have to take in, into account is is he going to hold up? Are you getting five years out See? of this guy? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Here's what I here's what I compare. I think you can get enough out of a Joel Embiid right now to make the Sixers team look like 
the Miami Heat for the last two to three years. A bunch of 6'8", 6'9", guys that are well-oiled machine. Not a big team, but an athletic team, a tenacious team. I think you, if you, if you, if everything fell into place, you can get a nucleus to get in a seven to nine-man roster, which would complement each other very well. With the coach, that Toronto team he coached in the NBA championship wasn't a big team, but they were pit bull mentality. They were a pit bull mentality team. That's yeah. all you need. You don't need to be the biggest team in the court. You just need to be the most cohesive team at the Absolutely. right time. Yeah. And, and I think I, you can get enough back from that. Let me add one thing to the potential trade. So, I man, I read so much of this stuff. I can't even remember where, where I read this one. But because Butler wants Embiid so bad, okay, let's say the Lillard thing falls apart for Miami for whatever reason. This is all hypothetical. There's a lot of thought that that Butler is in Pat Riley's ear saying, get me Embiid, get me Embiid, get me Embiid. If that's the case, you could have Bam Adebayo come over here, right? Maybe along with something else. All of a sudden, you become really athletic. Like if Harden's moved and you have Maxi and you have Adebayo and a couple other pieces that you can add here and there, you know, things change pretty quickly. And you give me Bam, you give me Tyler Hero, you give yeah. me... Yeah, See, that's, that's look, not gonna happen. That's no, gonna happen. but I'm just saying, like, well, it might, it might. Strange things have happened. You look a Let's lot like this. Yeah. I don't think Embiid fits into Eric Spolstra's style of play. They get up and down the court. Embiid lumbers up and down the court. Yeah. I don't think he fits that Spolstra. It, from from the time Spolstra has been there, look at his teams and look at how they play. They're up and down the court on both ends of the court. They're all over the court. They like bees buzzing. You know, switch. You know, double teams. And B's not that kind of player. Mm-hmm. He's not. Yeah. I don't. You know, it's a great. It's a great concept. If they pulled it off, kudos to the 76ers. If they could get out of bio here and, and hero here and send him down there. Yeah. And, and, and give Nick Nurse this kind of. But I just don't see Miami. Now maybe there's another team out there we're not looking at. I don't see him fitting in Miami because that's not what Spolster likes. Yeah. It's not, it's not well, how he plays. Let, let me add one more thing with Harden. Yeah, I know our automatic assumption is if you trade him to the Clippers and you you get like you know those guys I I mentioned, you're going to take a huge step backwards. I don't think so. I don't think you do. I don't think so. Because Powell knows Nurse's system. Terrence Mann's a good player. Like you, I think you're just going to be different. I even try to get Bones Highland. I try to get him too. Yeah, like, I, I love. Come up, I he, like he, he's Highland. a very he's a very sparky player. I like I like his ability to put the ball on the floor. Yeah, uh, score off the dribble, things like that. Yeah. So I think it looks on paper like, oh my God, you're losing Harden's ten assists and you know uh, whatever it was, almost twenty points a game. I, I get it. It's going to look different, but I don't think it's a, it's a death knell. I really don't. Man. Have you guys seen him go to the rim? He looks like he has center blocks in his sneakers. I know. It ain't getting better either, and it's not going as he gets better. older. Right. Agree. Can we can we agree on one thing? Yes. Please move hard, please. Yeah. Without well, a shadow of a doubt. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm, I'm tired, tired of talking about, about him. It's, 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 it's no question. I mean, he's going to he's going to get moved. It's just a matter of when. When. I just don't want it to. I don't want it to carry over into training camp. Yeah, it's going to hijack the whole summer for the because season. Nick Nurse. I believe Nick Nurse is a really good coach, like a really good coach. Again, we've seen him coach that Toronto Raptors team as far as he could because they weren't the most talented. Pascal Siakam. He's a He's, he's a right. he's a he's a he's a B B plus star. You know what I mean? He's he he he's he's good, but very limited in my humble opinion. You know, we saw what Nick Nurse did the moment Kawhi got there, took that team to another level. Right when you plug in that star, then the following year he left obviously, but he still had that team relevant. That Raptors team pushed that Sixers team last year, pushed them. Yep. yep. And in my opinion, out toughed them in all reality. But 
they still won the series. They're, look, you guys, you know, I'm not going to monopolize the show. I've no, been going for you. days and days, Good man. Stuff, man. No, 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 no. Just, you know, yeah. again, like I'm, I'm, I'm really, 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 I'm waist deep on the Tyrese Maxi train. I want to yeah. see, I want to see Mad Max just, just take over. I've seen him go toe to toe with John Morant. Be clutch. I, I don't know if you guys remember that game this past season. There was a game where the Sixers and the, and the, and the Memphis Grizzlies faced off. It was a it was a touch and go game, but Tyrese Maxey and and John Moran was going back and forth in that fourth quarter. Um, the game ended up going into overtime, and Tyrese Maxey pretty much led the way and had clutch basket after clutch basket, and he sealed it with like I think it was like a steal, and um, laid it up at, at the end of the game. But Tyrese Maxey has the clutch gene. He can shoot off the dribble. He 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 can he can shoot spot up. Uh, he can score in the fast break. He can finish at the rim with either hand. I've seen more highlight plays from Tyrese Maxey this season than I have from James Harden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I'll leave it at that, you guys. All I right. appreciate you guys you give got me it. All right, All right, man. All right, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you. That is uh, Tone, our producer. All right, let's get a timeout, Gunner. Let's set our sights back on the NFL, all right? Cowboys dysfunction. Yes. Ah, music to my ears. So we'll talk about that. We'll get into everything else NFL, including the greatest uh, segment, which we will, uh, our series, which we continue here. And it is the Los Angeles slash St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. We will do that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right. Let me tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. Uh, they serve a southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Now, keep in mind, good time to get your trees evaluated right now so you don't have any major problems as the summer goes on. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the jersey shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back, our number three uh, of Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. D-Gun, RL is hanging out with you yes. on, on this Wednesday. All right, so this one was interesting, Derek. This came down a little bit before we uh, went on the air today. Zach Martin, Cowboys guard, uh, perennial all-pro. Not happy. Not reporting to camp, in fact. He, I didn't realize this. He's making $7 million. This that's, guy's considered the best insane. guard in football. By that, a lot that's of insane. You know, Neri Jones had to be snickering up until this point. We got we got a potential future Hall of Famer at a bargain basement price. Are you kidding me? I, <laughs> I was blown away that that's all he's making. Here's my, my sense of this. I think behind closed doors, you know, Martin's people and the Cowboys were having conversations like, come on, man, you, you know, we got we got to fix this. And it's gotten to the point now where we're on the cusp of, of training camp and Martin's saying, guess what? Nope. Won't be there. Good. This is great. Great news for the NFC East. I, I, I was going to say, I'm sure you're gloating over this. I am. I'm ba- doing backflips. I'm, I'm extremely happy. Yeah. <laughs> Very happy that this oh, is the case. Man. But that's a, that is a big blow if he's not around. He's a six-time uh, All-Pro. You know, he's been – he's considering not reporting to camp, unhappiness with the contract. Uh, Martin said he is woefully underpaid relative to the market, according to a source. He'll make $7 million this year. Wow. Uh, yeah, about $7 million, which is far less than the top-paid guards make in the NFL. You got guys like Chris Lindstrom of the Falcons, Quentin Nelson of the Colts. Uh, they're making an average of $20 million. Yes. 20 million. Um, so, you know, he's, he's gave, he's given up sacks, uh, just three sacks on 96% of the passes, uh, pass blocking situations for him. Wow. And he's a real good run, you know, guy as well. So this is uh, I can't believe Dallas is going to mess around with this dude, but if they do good, you know, keep playing around Jerry. I, th- I think right now, Zach Martin is the, is like the eighth or ninth highest paid guard. Um, and he's arguably the best guard still in the National Football League, yet only, the, you know, he's 32 years old, but still, he's playing at a, at a high level. He's still arguably the best. And Dallas is just basically looking past him. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Hard um, to believe. Hard to believe. Know, any, te- any team that has the potential of going deep into the playoffs, and let's face it, whether people want to admit it or not, admit it or not, Dallas has a roster that's talented enough to get deep into the playoffs. Yeah. Now they haven't done that, obviously, which is good for us, which mm-hmm. allows us to snicker that much longer. But you really want to upset the apple cart, especially with a player who's 
considered a future Hall of Fame type player. I don't right. think so. Yeah. But I will say this also. Jerry Jones has never been shy about spending money when it comes to spending money. Now, you may have a disgruntled player now because they have a number of players they got to look at in terms of extending contracts. Mm-hmm. But Zach Martin should be at the top of that list or near the top of that list in terms of priorities of appeasing uh, a cornerstone to what you're trying to do this year. Yeah. Th- and All right. So moving on, moving around here, this one caught my eye. So Denzel Mims, who was a second round choice by the right. Jets in 2020, it never really worked out for whatever reason there. They've been trying to trade him, but it's getting to the point where they can't find a taker here. And it looks like he's going to be waived. Um, take a flyer on him. If you're the Eagles cheap. I, I would uh, because I'm still intrigued. He was a really good college player. Yeah. I think he got caught in a situation with the Jets where who, who was throwing him the ball? Think about yeah. it. A lot of garbage. You know, a lot of garbage throwing in the football. I hate to use the term garbage, but because you said it, I followed it. So, <laughs> but I mean, think a about lot of guys it. underachieving yes, who didn't you know, play up to their, you know. I'm intrigued. I would make a trade for him. I'd sit back. Yeah, I wouldn't trade when he's no. cut. Yeah. When he's cut. Now, are you willing to get in the bidding war? Because I guarantee you, if you're thinking, if you're thinking as a GM, I'm not trading for him, but I'll wait and cut. How many other GMs are thinking the same thing? Right. And then all of a sudden you you get into a mini bidding war. He's not somebody that I'm I'm above the mindset. Well, I'll outbid everybody to get him in here. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a cutoff point. Here's my cap number. Uh, if you're interested, you know, hey, look, we have something here that other teams can't offer you other than Kansas City. Yeah. Um, we have the good potential of going to a Super Bowl. We are the pick in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl. What? Jed said Milfoner throwing him the ball. There we go. Okay. They can't help him. Yeah, we go. can't help him. So. Yeah. No, but you're right. I mean, but here's the thing. If he goes on waivers, I believe the way it works is, Derek, all the, the worst teams get the first crack at him. Yes. So you're, yeah. you're going to be waiting a while if you're the Eagles. That's the problem. He's got to sure. get, you know. But I'm, I'm not bidding for him. He's a player that intrigued no. me. I think he could help my team, but I'm not going to get in the bidding war for him, and I'm not trading for him. No, but he's a he's a take a flyer if he's still there. If that's yeah. the case, all right. Uh, Steve Kime, you remember the name? He he was the Cardinals general manager. He got bounced last year along with uh, Kingsbury, and yep. they they had a house cleaning, you know, last year as they should have. Um, but he was on with Colin Coward of FS1, and pretty interesting. So uh, let me let me pull this. Uh, I'll pull the quote up for you, and you tell me, you know, what your reaction is when you hear this because it, it felt very. Um, I don't know, kind of on brand, I guess. Okay. You know, with what we've what we've heard from Kyler Murray, like I'm. Look to me, I, I I've been pretty, you know, open with. I I don't buy the guy. I don't believe in him. I, I don't think he's good enough and all this. Right. right. Um. So let me pull. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just pulling it up right now. I had it. I had it up, and now it's gone for whatever reason. Um. All right. All right. So here we go. So what he said was he was on the herd, which is his, his, you know, his show. Um, now it's just giving me the audio clip. So basically what he said was, okay, the gist of it was um, Kyler Murray went on the, uh, the Cardinals joined the Cardinals uh, website, which is basically, you know, what the Eagles do with Dave Spadaro and that kind of stuff. Okay. Yep. So he goes on there. Um, okay. Here it is. Here's the quote. So he said, quote, I'm going to listen. In other words, with some new voices and all this other stuff, I'm going to listen. I'm going to be coachable and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But if the bleep ain't working at some point, we all have to look in the mirror is what he said. So 
Kimes' reaction was, hey, I love that he's, to an extent, taking some accountability. But you don't love hearing that. He said, this is what Kimes said. In quote, in terms of quarterbacks, what he said, you don't love it. Uh, when he added the word but in generally behind a positive, the word but does not tend to end in a positive light. So I certainly didn't need to hear that, nor do fans who want a guy who's making 46.1 per year to blame anybody but himself. And he said, quote, I'm not saying he's the kind of guy who blames people, yet at the same time, when you get that bag of cash, everybody expects you to take it on your shoulders, and that's what a franchise quarterback does. So there you go. You tell me what you think on both ends of that thing. It, it tells me that if, if it doesn't – is he sending a message to Jonathan Gannon that if what you're doing and your staff doing doesn't work, I'm, I'm going to lead a mutiny? Yeah. Um, basically, it's what yep. he's saying. Yep. You know, if it ain't work, if it ain't working, we all have to take a look at ourselves. I mean, it starts with the coaching staff. Yeah. Okay. But you don't say that when you when you've had the kind of season, when you've had the kind of season that he had last year that ended abruptly. When stories started coming out last fall about you being more of a negative than a positive, the first thing you should try to do is change your image. Have you not been watching what happened to Carson Wentz? Have you not been paying attention? If anything, you're trying to endear yourself with the fan base, not alienate. Yep. And basically, that statement is another in a category of somewhere down the line, you're going to alienate because you don't care because you're getting your money and most of it is guaranteed. That's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I yeah. Mean, I, like, I hear this, Derek, and he he's already laying the groundwork. Like, I'm going rogue if, if I don't like what I see here. Who are you? Who are you to lay groundwork? What have you done? I agree. You haven't won anything. He, to me, this guy is not a winner. He's not. You're a, pin, you're a pinball wizard. That's it. Yeah. You're a phenomenal yeah. individual talent who does all these great things of escaping. Uh, but what have you done? What have you won? What big game have you won? Yeah. You yeah, have he, more notoriety. You have more notoriety for what you do off the field more so than, than what you do on the football field. Well, you've had your teammates come out and, and, and say that you are a finger pointer. You've had your organization feel like they needed to put a clause in there for you to do homework, yes. not play video games, which they pulled when it became public. Uh, those are not good signs. You're 30, you're 25, 31 and one as a starter, including a playoff game where you got trounced, just destroyed. That's what he, that's his track record. Now he's gotten paid good for him. You know, he got five years, 230 and a half million. Yep. So he's, he's winning the business game. That's for sure. I would not want this guy, and it makes me appreciate Jalen Hurts every second I hear this guy talk. I couldn't agree with you more. No. I don't even know how – I wonder if, if players are being honest, how many of the players actually want to play with him. I, I guarantee you that – I don't think they're big fans. I, I would just say that behind closed doors. But we'll, you know, this kind of stuff comes out in the wash when people leave, and we'll find out, you know, eventually. Wow. The problem is – and Jake makes a very good point here. Things look as bad as it looks for Arizona. Caleb Williams could be the next, could be a Cardinal next season. So, in other words, Caleb Williams is the USC quarterback who's the consensus number one overall yeah. pick after phenomenal talent. Yeah. Incredible. Um, here's the problem you have. I didn't have to look at the contract really in, in depth. How much of this is guaranteed? Like, are you going to be able to eat this and roll from Kyler Murray and, and draft exactly. Caleb Williams first overall? Yeah. Exactly. If it, I, I can't see. You're going to spend first-round money on another future star. You've already paid this guy big money. You know how much of that cap is eating up? Yeah. My Honestly. goodness. And Jonathan Gannon has got to be thinking, what have I gotten myself 
into here. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm pulling him up his contract now. All right. So let's see. Five-year, $230.5 million deal. Yep. $29 million he got for the signing bonus. Boy, 159.7 is guaranteed. Guaranteed. This. That's right. Whoa. You ain't getting out from under this. Oh, my God. All right. Average, average annual salary, $46 million. Now, his base is only $2 million this year, but the signing bonus is $36 million. And he's got a workout bonus clause of a million. Uh, yeah, the cap hit just this year is 16. He's, he would have a dead cap hit altogether of 97.5 yep. million. So yep. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to wiggle out of this. Um, hey, it's the Cardinals. It's their problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Burke said Kyler Murray will be a saint next year. I doubt that because Derek Carr is there now. Yeah. Well, I doubt yeah. that. But. And well, that's one to keep your eye on. Let's see. And then, and by the way, he also says he's going to be back for the first game. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. There's mm-hmm. that. Uh, Tua, let's stay with the quarterback theme. Tua's pretty blunt. He, you know, and by the way, they did pick up his fifth year option. So he's locked in for this year and next. Yeah. yeah. But he knows that he's got to stay on the field if he's going to get paid. He knows it. And he said as much. He said, look, if you look at what I did when I played, we, we had a, a really effective offense. And it's I, true. That's yeah, true. It, it is true. And I think Mike McDaniel got the most out of him. He, it was a nice combination there, those two. But he said, what's hurting me is my injuries. And I, and that's going to be the difference between me, me getting paid, you know, in a big way and not. Truer words. The guy's very self-aware. He's not, he's not pulling any punches. I'll give him props. See, when I, when I look at a tour, it starts with the size. Yep. You know, it, it, they have him listed as 6'1". I don't think he's 6'1", first of all. 217, he's not really a thick body. You know, you look at you look at a guy like a Russell Wilson. A Russell Wilson, the thicker body, can absorb more punishment. And Russell Wilson learned in college how to take care of himself when he's about to get hit, his escape ability. Tua has some of those same attributes in terms of being able to escape. Unfortunately, yep. he got caught in situations several times in the season with bam. Hit his head, concussion. Now you have all kind of potential health issues. If they can keep Tua upright and breathing, with him throwing at Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, um, w- when that offense was clicking, was when Tua was in a, in a zone when he was at his best. There's no question about it. Um, you know, the young man he completed 65 percent of his passes. He only threw eight interceptions, so he's very he's he was only sacked 21 times. Right. He just it was just fluke situations. He put he did all this in 13 games, mm-hmm. and he didn't even finish one game. He didn't finish the game against Green Bay. It was fluke situations where he got caught, boom, concussion. So he, if he can find a way to stay upright and breathing, you know, they're every bit as good, I think, as Buffalo, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it was Josh Allen, but I'm saying their roster overall is as good as Buffalo's. It's almost as good as the Jets. You know, and, and two has shown when he's in a zone, that man is lethal putting the ball up in the air. I look, I think they're really good. I if he's if he plays 17 games, they're trouble. They're a really difficult team to defend. Yes, yes. And, and if they can somehow add Dalvin Cook into that mix, woo, look out. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there with Tua. All right, Alex Highsmith uh gets paid by the Steelers, you know, certainly uh deserving. You know, classic case of a guy who's just really coming to his own, you know, in an organization that, that's really good at cultivating 
uh, players, but he gets a four-year, $68 million deal. He'll make 24.7, or sorry, 27.7 in guarantees, $38 million over the first two years of the deal. Um, he's a good player. He's an underrated. He's only 25, and he's entering the final year of that rookie deal. They got him in the third round. He has been he's been really, really good. Uh, he had a career high 14 and a half sacks, uh, you know, uh, five forced fumbles. He's got 22 and a half sacks in 49 games with the Steelers. He's been really good. His his only problem is he's always overshadowed by TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward. Yeah. Yep. Outside of that, you're right. They got a steal getting him in the third round. Um and, and that's another in the long line of, of the, the Steelers, always finding linebackers. I mean, he's a big dude, 6'4", 245. Mm-hmm. He's a big dude, but, man, can he, he he's a thumper also. Yep. He's, yep. Got, he's got that lateral speed. He can plug the hole and run plays. He's a run stuffer, and he can get after the quarterback. He's everything you want in a guy coming off the edge. And, you know, he's not, he's not one of the household names, but, yes, he's developed very quickly into a very good premier player in the National Football League. Yeah, no question. So it's uh it's a good move by the Steelers to get ahead of that thing. Uh that's for sure. All right. So uh beyond that, a couple little odds and ends. Mahomes, uh the the, the Chiefs are still one of the few teams who go away for for their camps. They have the right. quarterback and rookie right. camp. Right. Uh so he met with the media yesterday and basically said, Look, uh I, I feel all the confidence in the world. You know, I don't I don't care that there hasn't been a team since 0304 uh that that hasn't repeated um we feel like we are that team um you know and, and i think one of the things that was revealed i you tell me gunner if you because i think you've seen all of these in that uh qb netflix documentary was um that, that mahomes rented an airbnb in arizona for that yeah. super bowl weekend for family and friends so yeah. before the season started he had some confidence yeah. <laughs> that they were going to be able to get there so this is not a guy who lacks confidence nor should he as long as patrick mahomes is in his prime i will never get a bet, bet against that young man yeah um the, the, when it comes to the quarterback playing the national football league there's patrick mahomes and then there's everybody else and the fact that i just can't get it out of my mind they won the super bowl with a they won they won 14 out of 17 and 17 out of 20 with a bunch of young kids playing on the back end of their defense. They were still like the number one, number two offense in the league. And you had this guy recreating how you throw a football, flip it over the top, throw it underhand, throw a sidearm, and you still wear your team to win. And this schedule was not an easy schedule last year. Mm-hmm. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. And if Patrick Mahomes says my motivation is to get back there, okay, if, 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 prime example, if we look at all the experts, if we look at all the experts and who they feel will win the Super Bowl in 2023-24, it starts with Kansas City. Yep. And rightfully so. Yeah. You look at what this young man has done at the tender age of 27, two MVPs, three Super Bowl appearances, two trophies, reset the, the record for passing yards in a season over 5,200 yards. That's all I need to know. Came back not once in a season, but twice in a season on a severely sprained ankle and got his, and willed his team to a win. That's all I need to know about Patrick Mahomes. Well, I, I think Derek – I agree. I believe him. He's on a fast track, barring injury, to be in any conversation with Brady, with Montana, with Peyton Manning, with you know whoever else you want to throw into there, you know, the, the quote-unquote Mount Rushmore's. Like he, he's on that pace at a very young age. You know, he gets you get 
eight more years or somewhere in that neighborhood of this kind of production and he wins one or two more where he's up in that three, four range, I, you know, I, I don't know how there's even an argument because his numbers are going to be so prolific and he's already got two rings now at 27. Like, whew, especially he's going to stay, you would think Andy Reid goes as long as, as he can possibly. Yes. So that's going to be, uh, it's going to be amazing. That young man, that young man accomplished in four or five years what what most quarterbacks don't get to see in a lifetime: yeah. an MVP, a Super Bowl appearance, not a Super Bowl trophy, a Super Bowl appearance. When you think about how many quarterbacks never even get to a Super Bowl in their lifetime, yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yep. You know how many how many great ones haven't won it? You know, never won one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that. Uh, that's amazing. All right, uh, you ready to do a little uh, the greatest? We'll do the Rams. Ah, yes. All right. You get you get first uh first choice here. Whoever you want. Um, wow. I'll start I'll start with Roman Gabriel. Okay. Uh Roman Gabriel, and I got to see him a little bit when I was a kid. Um, you know, he was a leader. Didn't have he didn't have great overall st- statistics, but the one thing you knew about Roman G- G- Gabriel was this. Teammates if he if he ran off a cliff first, his teammates would run behind him. The ultimate respect Uh, When he was drafted in 1962, from 62 to 65, it was a struggle for him to to start. He he wasn't a consistent starter. Um, It it wasn't until a guy named George Allen took over that team in 66 is when his career really began to take off. Um, When you talk about some of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, and let's face it, when we talk about the greatest quarterbacks to play the game, we talk about their stats Mm -hmm. more so than we talk about their leadership in a lot of cases. Roman Gabriel had good stats, but he was a better leader of men, maybe, than he was in terms of a statistical quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, well said. Uh, you know, and he played here. At the, uh, he was sort of at the end when he when he moved over here to the Eagles, but he was a gutty guy. He was a great yep. guy. Yep. He was the quarterback before Jaworski. Good choice. You know, picking – Yeah, we don't really necessarily do, like, countdowns with this, but picking sort no. of the number one guy is hard. For this, right. because there's a couple guys you can really make a case. I, I'll just throw Eric Dickerson out there. Okay? Yes. Yep. His first year, his rookie year, he runs for 1,800 yards, and yep. then the next year he goes over 2,000 yards. You know, he Derek, he had 10,000 yards, more than 10,000 yards in his first in the 91 first 91 games that he played as a Ram. Absolutely. He was dominant, and I think. It's weird with him. I think because he forced his way out of there and he was, you know, he had the goggles. He kind of goofy looking and whatever. Yeah, I don't know that he gets the credit he deserves as a dominant, even his cult years. He had dominant years in that league. I mean, he was an unstoppable force. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson was a beast. He was a big running back at six two, and a lot of people kept saying he's not gonna survive with his running style. He had an upright, high knee, high knee running style. People thought, dude, you're opening up to be a target every time you step beyond the line of scrimmage. And lo and behold, he turned that into an incredible career. That was his style at SMU. He didn't change that style one bit when he got to the pros, and it worked for him. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was great. All right, who else do you have? Oh man. Uh I gotta go Tory Holt. Tory Holt played all of his career with the Rams except for his last season. Torrey Holt's numbers are unbelievable. You know, he had six consecutive seasons. After his first season with the Rams, the next six seasons, he had a minimum, a minimum 1,300 receiving yards. Oof. 
a minimum 1,300 receiving yards. Yeah. Now, he had two, four, six, eight. He had eight 1,000-yard seasons in in 10, in 10 seasons with, with, the, with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Think about that. 8,000-yard seasons. It's incredible. Out of 10. He was great. He was great, man. But he could do it all. And, you know, he came along. He was quick. He was fast. He, he could separate. He could do everything. You know, when he was in his heyday, the, the, the one thing that impresses me most about him was in back-to-back years, in 2000 and 2001, in 2000, he had, he had only 82 catches, but he had 1,635 yards. He averaged almost 20 yards a catch. Oh my God! Then he comes back in two thousand twenty. Uh, in two thousand one, he has eighty one catches for thirteen sixty three, averaging almost seventeen yards a catch. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was he was great. You know, and, and the thing is, during that time period, you had you had um, uh, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, you had Kurt Warner, you had Marshall. Oh like goodness. there were so many guys. Oh my goodness! So they kind of get a little bit, you know, eaten up by each other, right? Where they maybe don't get. Yes. All the love that they should get. But yeah, he was, you're right. That That's pure greatness. All right. I'll go, I'll go kind of old school here. No, very old school. Merlin Olsen. Oh. How about oh. this, Derek? He played 15 years for the Rams. He made the Pro Bowl in 14 of them. Yes. yes. Like that, that dude, he didn't fall off. And then he, and then he gave it up to go uh, into broadcasting and acting. He, he's, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, uh, you know, a man among men on that defensive line that was filled with nasty dudes, Deacon Jones and all those guys. But Merlin Olsen was a great football player. You talk about getting players for a steal. His first contract was a two-year deal for $50,000. Okay. (laughs) But that was at a time when the average NFL salary was $12,000 a man. Yeah, so he was highly paid. So he was highly paid at like $25,000 a year. Living in L.A. Yeah. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Um, he was a rookie of the year in 1962. Right. Yeah, you know, I thought about it, Rob. I said, you know what? I said it jokingly, but you could put that entire fearsome foursome on his list. You know, Lamar Lundy, Rosie Greer. Yep. You know, Deacon, Deacon Jones. Jones. You know. Yep. Yep. But Merlin Olsen definitely, and I also had to put Deacon Jones on there. Deacon mm-hmm. Jones is definitely definitely on that list. You know, um, he was a seven-time pro, five-time Pro Bowl, uh, All-Pro, eight times. Uh, pro bowler, um, 1967. And this was when he really didn't keep the stat. He had 21 and a half sacks in 1967. Yeah. And then 22 sacks the following year. Yeah, that's the, the problem with a lot of these older – like the same thing with Deacon Jones. They didn't keep the stat. I can't believe they didn't yeah. – how long it took them to keep that as an official stat. I'm shocked by that with, with uh, football. I do. But here's a bit – for a big man – his yeah. ability to go lateral and, and track tacklers down. Yeah. He was a freak of nature. He was a freak before the Jer- Jerome Curse. Um, J- I mean, Javon Curse was. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He was a freak of nature in terms of sideline to sideline mm-hmm. and tracking down runners before they got in open space. Mm-hmm. Nonstop motor. Um, I think he was like a 14th round draft pick or something like that. Yeah. He had a Utah State, which wasn't exactly a football factory. You know, that that's where he came out. He turned down – he wanted to stay in state. He turned down, uh, like, scholarships to Stanford and other places. He, yeah. He, was, yeah. he just wanted to stay, you know, stay there. So, anyway, but, yeah, that, he was a great player. All right, who else, who else do you have? Uh, oh, you, you got to have Marshall Falk on that list. Yes. yes. That is no question. You got to have Marshall Falk. 
Um, you know, he played 12 years in the league. He only played seven with the Rams, but the other five were with Indy. So you had to put him on – what a Hall of Fame career for this guy. For a guy who was only 5'10", 210, um, man, you, you, you wouldn't find a tougher – a tougher running back, and he was such an accomplished pass catcher as well. If he got an open state, uh, open space, uh, it was lights out. Um, what year was it? His first year with the Rams. His first year with the Rams, he had 2,429 total yards of offense. Mm. 2,400, 1,381 rushing, 1,048 receiving. That's a, that's that's a kind a of running back he was. That's a yeah. machine. Yeah, he was the only player who had more than 6,000 rushing and receiving in his career. Yep, absolutely. Incredible. He, he was incredible, Marshall Falk. Um, all right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to throw Aaron Donald in there. I know he's, he's you know, I know he's still playing. I get yeah. it. He was 31, whatever he is. The guy's been in eight Pro Bowls. You know, he, he has been the dominant defensive tackle of his era, and he'll go down as one of the greatest defensive players to ever ever play the game. Oh, my goodness. So he, he belongs on any list. I don't care if he's still playing. I have to put him in there. He's that great. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And yeah. I can't wait to see what his numbers look like uh, in terms of Rams history when mm-hmm. he's all said and done. Yeah. Staying on the defensive side, I had to go Jack Youngblood. Yes. You know, Jack Youngblood had 151 and a half sacks in his This career. dude was – he played with a broken leg in a playoff game. Yes. Yes. I'll never forget that. Yeah. And it really wasn't revealed until after the game was over. Right. He was playing on how do you play? How do you put that out of your mind mentally and, and physically? You know, the pain you must endure every time you move a certain way, every time you get hit a certain way, that thing has to hurt. Yeah. You yeah, know, he, for him to stand tall and, and, and play, dude, you talk about tough as nails and just nonstop motor, constant chasing, constant, you know, just constant badgering and offense. Jack Youngblood was the man. Yeah, man. he was a bad boy. Uh, 201 consecutive starts. Jeez. About that for a defensive lineman. Oh my goodness. Uh, incredible. All right. I'm gonna go Deacon Jones. Uh we brought him up twice. Now, unofficially, Derek, they have him at 173 and a half sacks <laughs> for his career. Uh led the league in sacks five times. He's a five-time all pro. Uh he 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 was the guy. If you go back and watch the old NFL films, he was the head slap guy. Deacon Jones yes. would, would would in combat with the offensive lineman would would smack him on the side of the head. They had to outlaw it because dudes yeah. get knocked out just, just from, it's just from him hitting them. Um, it was like being hit in the head with a sledgehammer. Yeah. That was, that was Deacon Jones who, who was a funny guy away from the football field. He was very entertaining, like in commercials and he would do some acting stuff and, and whatever. Very funny, but he was business man when it was on the field. Mm. So that's a, that's, that's a nasty, nasty dude right there. That's for sure. Um, I'm going to put in Isaac Bruce. Isaac Bruce played 14 seasons with the Rams and two seasons in San Francisco, over 15,000 receiving yards. Yeah. Um, what a phenomenal talent he was um, in terms of just his first NFL catch. His very first NFL catch was a 34-yard touchdown from a quarterback named Chris Miller. Unbelievable. What a way to start your NFL career. Yeah, true. And from there, it was all academic. You know, he parlayed that career into a Hall of Fame into enshrinement in the Hall of Fame. I used to love watching Isaac Bruce and those guys. Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, back when they had the greatest show on turf. They were fun. They oh, were my fun. goodness. Yep. You would just sit there go, wow, wow. Kurt Warner at the helm, you know, which is a phenomenal story in itself, how he got to become the starting quarterback for that team. Yeah. But, man, they had some talent on those teams back then. Man. Yeah. All right, I'll give, I'll give a little love to Jackie Slater. 
Yes. Uh, when you play, I don't care what position you're playing, but when you're playing, you know, left tackle or an offensive tackle, you play 20 years in that league mm. like he did. You know, you are you are a beast, man. You are a stud. And 2001 Hall of Fame inductee, deservedly so. He was a staple. You didn't have to think about that position if you were L.A. for two decades. It's crazy. The, the, you know, you notice that that the Rams had a lot of players back in those days that parlayed um, football careers into acting careers. Yeah, a lot of those guys did. You're right. I mean, good, you know, right place, right time, right being in L.A. Uh, you know, you would think, but yeah. And, and the reason, I, and the reason I bring it up is because the next guy on my list, Fred Dreyer. Oh. Hunter, he became Hunter. Yeah, for now the man had 103 quarterback sacks in his career. Yeah, and he was another one that turned out to be. Uh, uh, that I like that show. I, I thought it was fun. I I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was a good show. You know, yeah. but he wasn't. He wasn't the biggest guy out there. Yeah, but man, you talk about great technique, anticipation on the ball. Force. Uh, he had what 20 fumble recoveries. Yeah. He had a couple of safeties. Um, you know, he, he he started his career with the Giants for three seasons. And then when he moved on to the Rams from 72 to 81 is when his re- career really took off. Yeah. And then, of course, once he got bored with football, he goes into acting. You know, mm-hmm. I guess being with the Rams was the right place to be, uh, you know, w- when you wanted to become an actor. If you were looking for a career after football, you know, go to the Rams. You'll find yeah. a way to get the front door. No, absolutely. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll throw one more out there from from my standpoint. Yeah. and. I know he didn't play there forever and, and he had sort of a second act with the Cardinals, but you know, Kurt Warner deserves some love, uh, uh, yeah. you know, to, to, to come from where he came from out of nowhere and, and win a Super Bowl and have a couple of MVP type of years for them. Uh, you know, look, this is the ultimate, you know, just rags to riches story. Yeah, what was he bagging groceries at one point in Iowa? Yeah. He, and went he to, was playing for like, uh, what was that? Arena arena. He league? was an arena league player. Yeah. And he was about he was about to give up on football. You right. know? He yeah. thought he was never going to get that break, and all of a sudden he gets to travel with the Rams, and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. You know. But you're right. What a great story! And you consider how short he played in the National Football League. He he's a Hall of Famer. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you you talk about the consummate, like you just said, the consummate rags the richest story. You know, you're not highly thought of as a professional athlete. You get a chance by accident. You get the play by accident because of an injury, mm-hmm. and you turn that into a Hall of Fame career. It's incredible. That's, that's I mean, he is—he is the ultimate resiliency story. He really is. I mean, it's—it's it's, uh, just different um, the the way that that played out. So, yeah, that's it's it's. I think I got everybody that I we yep. had. You yep. nailed them too. Crazy legs, Hirsch. Oh, I, I just wanted to throw him in for the name. It's the greatest Elroy. name. Yes. Crazy Legs is the greatest name nickname maybe ever in the history of the NFL. From the great state of Wisconsin, I might add. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Nice work. Uh, but, yeah, yeah he, was a re- he was a receiver way back in the day, for people who don't know. Well, my yeah. goodness, you had, some, you had Wendell Tyler. You had Kevin Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dick Knight, Train Lane played for him for a while. Steven Jackson, Todd Gurley, Henry Ellard. Yeah. You know, Isaiah Robinson was a great linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many great players from that Rams era. Obviously, they were overshadowed by a lot of teams that won the championships, and they didn't. Right. But man, you talk about rosters up and down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's fun doing this because you jog your memory, you know, from guys that you haven't thought about in a long time. You know, like some of these guys I haven't thought about in a while, you know, football. 
Yeah, it was. It was for sure. All right, let's uh, let's sneak one in, and we'll come back. We got a bunch of things. I'll give you the Phillies lineup for tonight, Derek. I'll tell you whether Harper is playing first base or not. Uh, Tiger Woods in the news. Uh, we'll get into that. It is National Hot Dog Day. We'll discuss that as well. Birthdays, movies, all that in store. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Razor Technology. How about Razor Technology and managed IT services? Razor Technology's comprehensive managed service provider solution delivers constant monitoring, on-demand assistance, and rapid issue resolution. Through data vetted and insight-driven implementation, they strengthen your existing IT resources with both human power and expertise that reduces security risks and downtime while enhancing organizational efficiency and productivity. They are a strategic resource for adaptive and fast-growing companies that need help selecting, implementing, and managing their IT services. Their goal is always bigger than one project, one problem, or one upgrade. It's improving the overall functioning of their partners and helping them achieve their business objectives through ongoing synergistic relationships. Give your IT team the freedom to refocus by augmenting their reach with Razor Technology. Contact Razor Technology today to learn how their managed services can protect and enhance your business by calling 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season and let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. 
Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back, final segment of the show. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's hit the like button if we could, friends. All right, there are a couple uh, odds and ends here. Uh, let me give you the Philly starting lineup for tonight against the Brew Crew. Game number two of this series is a three-game set. Uh, Schwarber will lead off. He will be in left field. Trey Turner, who's gotten on base uh, nine of his last 18 plate appearances, he will hit second and play short. Nick Castellanos will start at right, in right field and bat third. Bryce Harper will be DHing. He will not be playing first base. JT Real Muto will catch and hit fifth, uh, batting sixth. Bryson Stott, who is at 305 batting average right now. Uh, Alec Bohm will hit seventh. He will play first base. Uh, Brandon Marsh will play center field. He'll bat uh, eighth and batting ninth will be Edmundo Sosa playing third base. So you got Bohm at first, Harper DHing, Sosa at third. And Schwarber in left. They're obviously still not ready to have uh, Bryce Harper on first base. So there's no. That. Sounds like a winning battery to me tonight. Uh, yeah, look, I'm I'm good there. And you got Christopher Sanchez on the mound. You know, yeah. Philly's playing well. I'm 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 good all the way around, man. Wait, is it Sanchez or Tyron Tyron Walker? Walker's tomorrow. Yep. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. Yep. Yep. Tomorrow, so there you go. The day game. Tomorrow's the day game. Twelve thirty-five. Yes. Okay. Twelve thirty-five start. Um, all right. National Hot Dog Day, Derek. National hot dog. I enjoy a hot dog. Now, I'm uh, glad you brought that up because Kevin Savard said, place your bets. Rob eats his hot dogs plain. Okay. And I, you know what, Kevin? I'm inclined to agree with you, having learned a lot about this man's palate the last year. I would say Rob eats a very boring hot dog. Is that correct? Um, it is boring, but I do put something on it. I put mustard on it. What? Mustard. Mustard. Yeah, I guess, I guess, wait, brown mustard or yellow? Both. I could go either way. Okay. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people like mustards, mustard on their hot dogs. I don't. I like just a little ketchup. You know what was funny? Kevin Savard, I think that pertains more to me than it does to Rob. I like a hot dog off the grill, beef hot dog off the grill with char marks on it. I'll put it on a bun. Like you, A potato bun is the best bun there I is. I like a potato bun. I will eat. I enjoy hot dog plain on a potato dip bun with a char grill marks on it and nothing on it, as well as anything. All right, here's where I'll feed into my own stereotype. I don't okay. like relish. I'm not a relish fan. Oh, I love relish. Oh, yeah, yeah oh. I don't like the relish. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't even hate really. And this is going to fly against everything I always say. I don't hate a, a chili hot dog. I don't like the cheese on it, but I don't mind the chili with the dog. I don't mind that. Wait, I'm okay wait. with that. <laughs> you, you're, you're okay with a chili hot dog? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't, I'm it's sure. not my preferred preference, but I'm okay with it. Uh, so, ooh, tone goes sure. spicy mustard, ketchup, relish, onions, yep. and toast no. that potato bun. That's no, onions. no onion. No onion. No onion. I don't like the, a lot of people like the real fine chopped up raw, raw onion on a hot dog. I don't. Yeah. The aftertaste, like, it's kind of nasty. Yeah. You know, but I love a relish on a hot dog. Um, 
I love a good chili cheese dog. Um, but like I said, when I get the kind of char marks I want on a hot dog, I can eat it plain by itself all the time. Yep. All yep. the time. I'm with you. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Woods. So if you remember, his ex-girlfriend uh, had levied a lawsuit against him. Right. Basically for $30 million, contending that he you know, went against their agreement. And even though I think he had her sign, it's not called a prenup. It's like, a, I don't know, something else, basically protecting himself against her. But nonetheless, uh, she brought a lawsuit against him uh, and against his estate, uh, basically saying that, you know, she should have been paid because he, he forced her out of their, their, their dwelling. He, she was living with him for a while. Uh, her, her name was Erica Herman. That's a, so the lawsuit was dismissed um and dropped uh basically it was 30 million dollars <laughs> according to the new york post yeah herman filed the suit against both woods and the trust that he owns uh, and his 54 million dollar florida mansion seeking 30 million uh amid unspecified allegations of uh sexual harassment and some other things she requested in March to be removed from the, the so he had an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement with her, and she requested to be removed from that, uh, saying Woods wrongfully used it against her, citing federal law that prevents law and that prevents enforcement of the NDA. Anyway, so the the judge basically rejected everything, uh, calling her allegations vague and threadbare. Yes, uh, saying she didn't provide factual specific, specificity. Uh, and, and, and this and that anyway, but part of what she was looking for was, um, she wanted that kind of money because she wanted to have to have the ability to rent a similar kind of place on the beach. that tiger owns, which is a 30 square, 30,000 square foot mansion in the Hobie sound community in, in, you know, South Florida. Are you kidding me? That's what she was claiming. Yes. Yeah. So. She's not married to him. Correct. Obviously, uh, they went, they, they, their relationship frayed. They went their separate, separate ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, what makes her think she's entitled to all this? You know what? You know what makes her think she's entitled to it? Because we have seen historically over the last 20 years, people win lawsuits on the most frivolous things I've seen on the mankind. Yep. So why not take your shot in the dark? I but know. The bottom line that she thinks, you know what I'd have given her? You know what I'd have given her? A Coke and a smile should be on your way. Yep. That's what I give. Coke and a smile. Yep. Yep. Hey, look, it didn't work out. I don't know you anything. You know, you came in with your own free will. It mm-hmm. didn't work out. Yep. You know. Yeah. So have a nice life. This was this was kind of interesting. So she claims that he sent her off to a vacation under false pretenses. And, oh. when, she, and when she arrived at the airport, he had his people say, basically, you are no longer welcome at the uh, at the abode, and we have changed the locks. <laughs> And, so and, where, and where do they put her stuff? I wonder. I that's a great question. I don't know how any of that works. I don't know. Can you imagine that he sent her, he paid, dude. This that's is when a, you have money when you're dude. sending somebody on a vacation. Yeah, no, no, you're not just sending somebody on a vacation, you're sending somebody you're getting rid of on a vacation. Yep, it, all ex- hey, look, I got you all expense paid vacation. Where do you want to go? Yeah, you know, you I'll even pay for one of your friends to go with you, exactly. You know? Um, yep. but when you come back. Ain't gonna be here, you know. Nope. Uh, you know, uh, on this part, you know, I, I, you you put it in the category of what, what did uh, uh, f- uh, who is this? Steve Steve Ike said, "Gold digger." Uh, yeah, I think that's basically what it is. Yeah, basically, 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Tiger, I think, dodged a big bullet there. I would just say that. Well, considering that after the divorce settlement he went through, uh, you yeah. don't need that. He, yeah, he, no. You even, even with all the money in the world, uh, you can get yourself hurt a little bit there. Yeah, that yeah. is for sure. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of those where you're like, okay, there's a lot going on here. Uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but he tried. I mean, he had an NDA in place, but it's still. Still didn't seem to do much there. Um, that's for sure. All right. So uh, a couple other odds and ends here. Browns released uh, defensive tackle Perrion Winfrey on Wednesday after police listed him as a suspect in an aggravated robbery incident. Oh, According geez. to police, yeah, a woman claimed that she and a friend knew Winfrey and had his number in her phone. When she saw him in a hotel lobby, he shouted, she shouted out his name when when he didn't respond, she called him a name, a derogatory name that begins with the P word. Uh, afterwards, uh, Winfrey became upset, followed them outside of the hotel, noting she became afraid. The woman started recording her on her phone. According to the report, Winfrey went after the phone saying, I'll smack the bleep out of you. Anyway, I don't, we don't need to get into all this, but and he's, he's on the street now. The whole thing sounds like a mess. So Everybody sounds like a mess. She called him a name and he flipped out and went after her? Correct. Man, these players will never learn. You got too much on the line. You just, as much yeah. as it, you, you hate to suck it up, but you got to suck it up. I know. I know. Yeah, you guys, you know what? You just don't learn. So, social media has given you such a valuable teaching point to go to. It's the best archive ever to go through yeah. and look at in terms of what to do and what not to do. And yet, here we are. And you know what, Rob? It's going to happen again. Yep. Uh, players betting on the teams is going to happen again. Domestic abuse is going to happen again. Verbal spats, bar fights, all going to happen again. When you just so avoid this stuff, when you have that kind of money, there's certain places you don't need to be, or certain people yep. you don't need to be around to enjoy your life. Correct. It's that simple. You are correct, sir. You can't put it any simpler. I, I hear you. Uh, learn, man. Let's uh, let's go birthdays. Let's do some birthday action. To the birthdays we go here. All right. All right. I got a, Benedict, I got a laundry list of birthdays, man. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbunch, uh, Cumberbatch, the actor, uh, is 47 years old today. Good, but good actor in a lot Dr. of things. Doctor Strange plays a great Doctor Strange. He's got really good range, that guy. He yes. can do a lot of different things. Brian May, who was the lead guitarist for Queen, uh, is 76 years old today. Yep. Vitaly Klitschko is 52 today, yep. former boxer. Uh, Richard Jordan, the actor, was born on this day, 1937. Stuart Scott. Uh, longtime sports center anchor and ESPN personality, yeah. uh, sadly died, uh, right around the age of 40. He was born on this day in 1965. Um, Anthony Edwards, who's been in a lot of different things, including, uh, Top Gun and ER and a bunch of other stuff. He is Ridgemont High. Yep. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Yep. Yep. Uh, George, uh, Zunza, who was an actor in the deer hunter and was also in law and order is 78 today. Adam Morrison, if you remember him uh, from Gonzaga, yes. never really panned out in the NBA, but had a good college career, 39 years old. This is amazing, Derek. Rachel Robinson. Unbelievable. Is still with us. She's 101 years old. She's the widow of Jackie Robinson. I, I mean, incredible. She's st and she still like makes appearances and stuff. Yes. Like it. yes. It's yeah. 1922 she was born. It's insane. I'm Obviously, the bloodline run deep, runs deep with her, man. That, God bless her. Wow. God, man. It's crazy. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Caitlin Doubleday, actress, is 39 years old. Pat Hingle, actor, was born on this day, 1924. 
Trent Williams, great line, uh, offensive lineman for the 49ers, is 35 today. Uh, Tri Byers is 40 years old today. Uh, Lizzie Borden, uh, what a story that is. Was yeah. born on this day yeah. in 1860. Woo. She was never found guilty, by the way. Never no, found she, she wasn't. Ilya Nastasi, uh, the tennis player from back in the day, 77 years old today. Jim Norton, the comedian, is 55 today. George McGovern, who ran for president of the United States, was born on this day in 1922. All right, who else do you have, Gunnar? Oh, let's see. You got Campbell Scott, the uh, son of legendary actor George C. Scott. Uh, he played in the House of Cards. He's 62 today. Yep. Uh, Alan Collins, the founding uh, member and get, uh, guitarist for Leonard Skinner. Yep. 71 today. How about that? He survived. Listen to this, Derek. He yep. survived the plane crash that killed Ronnie Van Zant and a couple other guys. Yep. He survives that, and then he, he died like 13 years later. But it, Isn't that something? Man. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Crazy, crazy. Uh, you have Samuel Colt who invented the first ever handgun uh, ever. It was a Colt, Colt Revolver. Yeah. He was born on this day in 1814. Uh, Dennis Cole from Young and the Restless, Murder, She Wrote, 83. Uh, Stephen Anthony Lawrence, uh, who played the movie Cheaper by the Dozen, is 33. Jan Gomes, a catcher for the Cubs, is 36. One of my favorite names in boxing, Azuma Nelson. Uh, he was a, a champion in a, the featherweight and super featherweight division. Uh, he is 65 today. Yep. Uh, Jerry Smith, one of the greatest tight ends to ever play, played his entire career in Washington. Um, when he retired, he held the NFL record for uh, most career touchdowns by a tight end with 60. Wow. He was born on this day in 1943. Uh, the great Olympian, Teresa Edwards, a four-time uh, basketball Olympian, is 59 today. He was uh, great. One of my all-time favorites, Leroy Butler. Yes. Uh, of a Green Bay Packers won a Super Bowl with the Packers, one of the best safeties they ever played again. What a player. He was a heck of a player. You talk about him. And, you know, he's the one who who's uh, started the Lambeau Leap. Yes. Yep. Yep. He's he's 55 today. Uh Alvin Adam, uh who was a fourth overall pick by the Phoenix Suns. Suns, big guy. Yep. 69 and one of my favorite comedian comedians, a little raunchy, uh Lisa Lampanelli. Is she is good. Today. Very funny. She, she yep. is. She, you're right. She is uh, not safe for work that, if you're watching no, some of her no. stuff. You, you know. uh, all right. Uh, movies. Clueless, 1995, Alicia Silverstone. Uh, the Lion King, uh, 2019. Crazy Stupid Love, funny movie with uh, Steve Carell. Yep. 2011. Train Spotting, uh, 1996. Heavy, heavy content there in that one. Uh, I didn't have a ton of movies today. Did you have more than that? Uh, the Legend of Billie Jean uh, was 1985. The Conjuring, okay, uh, which a lot of people like. I don't know. Yeah, I, that was big. I know it did well. It's 2013, and then yep. uh, here's a movie that was pretty funny. Uh, it was called Rest yep. in Peace, R.I.P.D. Okay, uh, with Ryan Reynolds, Kevin Bacon, Jeff Bridges, and uh, Mary Louise Parker. Came out in 2013. Okay, okay, not bad, not, not bad. bad. Uh, yeah, not a bad list. Um, all right, so uh, here's what we have, Derek. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, the Phillies, your pitching matchups for tonight. Christopher Sanchez has done a nice job in that five spot. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you, you look for him to keep it going. He'll go tonight. It'll be uh, Taiwan Walker tomorrow against uh, Corbin Burns. That's a big-time matchup there. But you have Colin Ray tonight for the Brewers, who's been solid. He's 5-4 and four with a 4-7-1 ERA. He's yeah. been okay. Um, so that goes, that's who's going tonight for the Phillies, but they look to make it five in a row. Now they, they move themselves into that third place spot in the wild card. 
with the wins last night and they got a little bit of help. Yeah. So the, the, the um, Phillies are now in that spot by themselves because the, you realize the Marlins have lost five straight. Yep. Wheels have come off a little bit there and the Reds have lost six straight also. So those two teams have cooled and that's good news for the Phillies. Um, they can keep that going. That's for sure. So uh, that'll do it. I uh, want to thank uh, Tone DeShields. Tone, great job uh, producing. Great job jumping on with the Sixers uh, talk as well a little bit earlier. want to thank all of you guys uh, in the chat section. Awesome job. Uh, and Chris just watched uh, Crazy Stupid Love. It is a very funny movie. Uh, it's all you guys in the chat, all of you guys um, in, streaming and listening. We do appreciate it each and every day. You could tell a friend and hit the like button. Uh, it gets more eyeballs on us, man. That's it's. We, we don't, we, we say it for a reason. We don't just say it for kicks. It, it helps everybody uh, along right. the way. Uh, all right. So uh, coming up, you have the national football show with Dan Cilio. Dan's got you for the next three hours. Derek and I are back at the same time tomorrow. All right, Gunner. So have a great night. And we're the same, my brother. Yep. See you guys tomorrow. Okay. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.